Story to the Potterskew Podcast. I am CJ, and with me, as always, is my head royally mate, Rico. What's up, man? I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, fucking tell me about art. I'm the older guess, one of the two of us, goddammit. Yeah, I guess you're merch art, I'm Riggs. In, in, in the actual age gap, yes, but in the way yeah. that we act, no. It's quite... Yeah, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm more of a Leo guess. No. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. No, you are definitely definitely Murtaugh. Um I'm Murtaugh? Oh, for sure. Yeah. In what way? Oh, cuz you're the older. Listen, I've said this before. You are the oldest young man I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I tell you something that's really funny. <laughs> I found a, I found uh, a silver hair on myself. Oh, poor baby. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not even 31, and it was really fucked up because like, I was on the toilet and I was because I was like getting ready to go to bed, and I looked down, I see a fucking silver hair on my chest, and I'm like, what what the shit is this? I am so glad you said chest. <laughs> like, well, no, I don't want to distinguish like you know, ball sack. I don't I don't need it like looking like salt and pepper and distinguished and you know, <laughs> fucking pipe and and robe. I don't need the Hugh Hefner above groins. Oh Christ! Um, but like I, but like Steph loves the idea of me being silver haired and and like a silver fox and salt and pepper and shit. So I'm like, baby, I gotta show you something that you'll, I think you'll really like. And I showed her. She's like, oh, I've already seen that. I'm really happy about it. I'm like, you knew about this before I fucking did. She's like, yeah, honey, I'm always looking at you when you're shirtless. Uh, I was speaking. like, well, wait, thanks for the fucking heads up to let me know that I'm I'm 30 going on 70. We already knew that. We didn't need a silver hair to prove that. Okay, 30 going on 70 appearance-wise, not just, you know, brain. My comment stays the same. Um, right. <laughs> do you have any gray? Do you have any silver or gray? Uh, I I think I do. Uh, I, I, I think you do. Right, because I started shaving my head like three years ago. So I think if mm. I were to grow it in now, there would be some. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. But not on your face, uh, not in your no, none face, of my beard. Chest. No, no, nothing, nothing on the rest of my body at this point. Anyway, so so far um, as you could see, it would, true, true. I, I don't do, know. You may be a silverback gorilla, motherfucker. Uh, you you don't know, know what? There, there's enough. I do have a tram stamp, so it's possible. You know, I've seen, I've seen your fucking tram stamp. Yeah, I know, I know. I tried to get rid of it before I got out there. It didn't happen. Um, it's hard. It's hard to reach. I, I'll give you yeah. that. Yeah, uh, especially with only having one good arm. It does make right, it. yeah. What the fuck are you supposed to do? Just like this is what you do. You put like some like duct tape on the wall and just lean your back no, into no, it. No, I run I, forward. I I, I I have the manscape thing. I just can't. Ha- don't have the reach. See, that's how you know. That's how I know I found love. Someone that's willing to shave my back for me. Yes, that's uh, that's that should be embroidered on a pillow. <laughs> Hallmark is calling. So we have a guest today to join us, yes. and and. And we started recording before we brought this person on because we didn't want them to. Th- and thankfully, now that I know you went with the silver-haired, you know, discussion, I'm I'm sure they wouldn't want to be be involved in that. So. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. She might she might be into it. She yeah. might like she might like it. Uh, maybe. So the one-haired silver fox. It sounds like a bad Disney movie. And I'm sure there's some historical thing that she could pull together from <laughs> that if we really gave her the opportunity. You know, be like, you know, there was this general in the 3rd Battalion of the French Army from 1453 that had the same fucking thing, you know, like, goddamn. 
they called him the silver fox, but he was just had one hair and it was on his one tail and you couldn't tell because there's also white mixed in it. So it was kind of like watching a, a silver hair in a haystack. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring the fucking guest on. Jesus Christ. Well, before before we bring the guest on, though, you have some fucking news here, homie. I know about this because you you're like, why the fuck aren't you awake at four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> My four o'clock in the morning, you know. But uh, the audience doesn't know. Well, some of the audience doesn't know. Uh, I'm engaged, motherfucker. Yeah, it's funny because it started the other way around. If you remember, four years ago. <laughs> When we started this shit, it was the other way around. <laughs> other way around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I'm, Congratulations. Uh, so Steph popped the question, but it was very interesting how she did it. Uh, <laughs> so for those, uh, I guess I did, I haven't really talked about this. My my dad is battling cancer. You talked about him being and, in the hospital. You didn't get that specific though. Yeah. So dad dad unfortunately does have stage four cancer, but he is having radiation. And he was in Kaiser for about a week. Um, and he's going to start chemo, I think, in the next couple of days. Possibly tomorrow. Uh, but he's back home. And he's doing much better. And he's moving around. And he has a lot more energy. I mean, he's on medication. And he's, you know, he's he's overall pissed off. But in the so, middle of all that, like so the first Tuesday. time I saw him back. I mean, yeah, there's nothing different about that. But, <laughs> but he, unfortunately, he... He took it out on me a little bit. Like I went up and saw him when he came back. I had to work all day, so I couldn't see him all day. And then I came and saw him, went upstairs and we spoke and I was asking him all the right questions. I was telling him about the new job and, ch- you know, trying to find out how his condition is. And he sort of all of a sudden changed gears and started yelling at me at shit that had nothing to do with me and was, you know, saying some pretty awful shit. So Tuesday. Yeah. So... But this was particularly bad. No, I, so, I, I, I know. I'm just trying to. Yeah. yeah. This was not your, your typical Ron DiGiorgio. It was uh, Thursday instead of Tuesday. Yeah, it, yes, it was definitely <laughs> a Thursday instead of a Tuesday. That's the huge difference. Um, so I kind of grumpily stomped away, went downstairs. And as as always, I, I give an update on, on what's the shit going on in my life with Stephanie because I see her, you know, 24 hours a day. Told her what's happening, told her what, what words were said. And she said, all right, can you just like get out of your work clothes and cuddle with me? And I said, okay. So I take my, um, I, I lay down next to her and we're, we're, uh, we're cuddling and we're sort of talking about the whole thing. Um, and then we, she mentions and mumbles something like, do you think your family would treat you any differently if you were married? And I said, Excuse what? Me. <laughs> I said, what? What did, did, did you just fucking propose to me? And she kind of mumbled, mm, kind of. And I said, can you, can you try that again with a little bit more feeling? Can you, can we, I was like, are you serious? Like, are you actually serious? And she, she's like all of a sudden like getting shy. And I said, all right, let me, let's, let's take a deep breath and let me help you out here. Do you want to marry me? And she says, yes. And then I, of course, kept asking, like, are you sure? How sure are you? 98% sure? Okay, I'll take 98% sure. Fuck the other 2%. (laughs) 
And then I started crying and because, you know, that's always nice to, it's, it's very nice to hear that you are worth enough being married to, uh, especially from Steph, because Steph has always been anti-marriage, not anti-love, just anti-marriage. Right. Yeah. She's, she, yeah. So, and for the longest time, I've never asked the question because I didn't want to hear a no. Um, it has nothing to do with like whether she loved me or not. It was more of just like, I knew where the conversation would go. Um, and her whole thing was that she didn't like the idea of it being like sort of like a business transaction. And then I think, uh, once I think when Nancy died, that kind of like, because I said, how long have you been ruminating on this? And she's like, about a year and a half. <laughs> uh, so, so full, full yeah. disclosure, I, I, I've talked to Steph since this privately. Mm. Not, I mean, I'm sure she told you and I have no problem with that. And even if she didn't, you know that her and I talk and you don't, have, right. I know you don't have problems with that. She told me the same thing. She's like, yeah, I've been since like before we moved out of Nancy's, I was like, Steph, <laughs> like really way to keep me on my fucking toes, man. Like you couldn't, uh, have, done and, it while, the, you couldn't have done it while I was out there. I mean, it could have had a whole thing going on. I mean, like, I didn't, I didn't know it was going to happen. Period. So, no, like, that, that I makes think, two of us. Yeah, uh, I think the, maybe three. The pl- yeah, <laughs> I think what? Well, I think Steph knew. I think she was just afraid of saying yes to her, to me, like, and and to herself. And and the way she summed it up pretty great was that she needed to stop thinking with her head and started thinking with her heart. Yeah, I thought that was she a. Needs- brilliant way to put it honestly and she yeah she needs to start living her own life and and there are benefits to getting marriage and uh, getting marriage getting married yeah getting getting that marriage you know going to say uh pay less and getting marriage you know marriage is a i don't remember the whole line i'm sorry because i don't really like the movie but you know anyway. what marriage oh from princess bride yeah marriage <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm engaged. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I've told everybody. Uh, the irony is that the last person I told was dad. I told everybody else first. That's how much he pissed me off. Good. I told him and he kind of like, I said, so dad, I'm getting married. And he, and his response was, you're, you're getting married. Why aren't you getting engaged first? And I said, that's exactly what getting married is. You motherfucker. Like <laughs> that's, that's, that's what the translation is. <laughs> If I was not getting married, I would have already been married. I, do I see married? Do I? No, I'm, I'm Jesus Christ. Dad, how did you take more, take more or less medication? I don't fucking know at this point. Uh, so. But yeah, I'm engaged. Steph and I are engaged. And well, it's uh, the probability is that we may just get our marriage license done. We may just get officially married on our anniversary, which is August 26th in a couple months. But then we'll do it like a ceremony in a couple of years when we actually like can afford it. And, sure. and COVID is less of a thing or more of a thing. Time will tell. Yeah. Uh, because California is getting hit again. Well, yeah. Um, well, first, yeah. first, first and foremost, congratulations, homie. You know, I, I, I love to both of you guys to death. So I'm super excited about it. Um, so that's saying the only, the only and, and Rico I use this term so incredibly loosely, but the only disappointing thing is that like when you finally posted about it on Twitter, 
I replied with simply the four guys from The Hangover going, oh, you know, and you liked it, but there was no comment. Like, I was waiting for you to be to have some kind because I, I feel like I know you well enough to know when you're going to comment on some shit. So, like, I, depending on, on what you're tweeting about, I go out of my way to, like, get comments back, and I was like, this is going to generate some shit, and nada. I was, I was like, just waiting for, I mean, I guess the implication was just like you, you, it seemed like you just want to have a bachelor party in Vegas. No, I don't even think it has to be that. I just thought it was funny because I, I honestly, you know, even though it wouldn't line up with what actually happens to the characters, like I can probably get the four of us. I can, because there's four people I know, including you, that would probably be a bachelor party. And there's probably others, but there's four people. Pl- primary players that immediately come to mind, and I can mm-hmm. line them up with each one of those four people in that mm-hmm. shot. You know what I mean? Um, because it, for me, it's I'm the dude that ends up on the roof all day, mm-hmm. the, even though he's technically the groom. But that's that's just who I would be. Sure, you're totally Zach Galifianakis. Thank you. I guess. Well, no, you're not at his out in left field as that dude is, but still, I would just say, of the four, I think that's the closest lineup. You know what I mean? Okay. Michael would be Bradley Cooper. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And absolutely. Joe is the dentist dude. Because those are the four players I envision at your part. Now, I'm, I imagine you might have more people, but those are the four primary players I imagine... You- for your you thing. would be accurate, yeah. You know, so and 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 I think that's the that's why I chose that gift because I figured it uh, just lined up with the four of us pretty well. Me with my uh, with me with my man purse, my big bushy beard, just like walking down the aisle in a t-shirt, just no, just like a I I just I just you you can't get Zach honestly of the four of them, you get Zach because you it's the one that fits the least for anyone else like it's by <laughs> default almost you know okay as yeah i mean i, see, I being, see what you're saying as i as opposed so, to actually being accurate to you you know so yeah yeah we're we're our own little wolf pack we're our you know our yeah i mean our husky pack because michael would probably call it a husky pack because sure. of his dog yeah yeah but i mean i i just thought you know and even if i got replaced i still thought it would be funny just that i can i can envision that for that's that's how that lines up and i would be the dude on the roof that you'd be searching for all fucking day like where the hell did you, he go you would have never been found no no that's that's the thing <laughs> that i'm very much aware of actually we would have we would have just been like, where the fuck is that idiot? Ah, uh, well, he must have gone home. Yeah, he, he's yeah. probably with his family. Yeah, fuck him. I don't yeah. want to bother him. Well, yeah. So you would have yeah. just turned in one giant raisin in the sun. <laughs> yeah, shriveled up and you know, yeah, just well. like heal me. <laughs> so basically, me on a Tuesday. Um, you know, I don't know. Is do you burn that quickly? No, but the the whole like this thing. Oh you know, yeah, like, the the wrinkled up, you know. Disfigurement. The, the, yeah. the dead insects where they close up their arms <laughs> like they're just like getting ready to like, like, like uh, Dracula coffin. Yeah, that's just basically me laying on the couch. So you know, buddy, you, uh, that's that's really sad. <laughs> okay, it's my disability. You, you, I can you make just turned into the. You're just the Jeff Goldblum fly when you're just like relaxing on your couch. Hear um, me. 
while while we're still waiting for our guests because they're running a little late, um, I I did I I did see the new Doctor Strange. We're not going to talk about that right now because that's a longer conversation than we have time for. But I did see some mm-hmm. pretty interesting trailers uh, leading into it, and I'm sure you've seen some of them now just in your cleaning duties or or your ushering yes. duties, but. Uh, I don't know if they're running this on all the Doctor Strange, but on mine, they gave me an extended look into the new Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. was I was already on board, but now I'm really on board. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've, I've definitely seen trailers for, for uh, Maverick, um, and we actually are getting one of those, um, those, those big, uh, cardboard cutouts yeah, like the displays. Sure. Yeah, yeah. If if we, I think we already do actually. Oh, I'll tell you something. I'm not telling you where the location was, but I had to tear down one of those display things. Yeah. For a Sonic the Hedgehog two. Okay. And the reason why is because it had fallen off its back display, which was just a cutout of like a city. Okay. Yeah. And so it fell forward. It's got like Sonic and. Knuckles and and tails, tails and yeah. a circular Jim Carrey in the fucking dome. Okay, and so it fallen forward, and so I I ask him like, hey, this we try to put it back together, but it's like bent cardboard, so you can't hook bent cardboard back together. Yeah. So I was like, so what am I supposed to do? And he's just tear it apart and throw it away, and it's it's huge. It's like the yeah, si- no, so it's I've like seen 16... some of them. I haven't seen that one, but some of them are fucking massive yeah it's really fucking gargantuan so like i'm tearing apart like in the middle of a theater and i don't know like there's a dumpster to take it down but it requires an elevator and i'm like i don't know how to bring this to where i'm gonna bring this and it was a full play you know it was a full business so i try and bring like a big cart and just like shredding sheets of uh cardboard and loading it and trying to bring it through the kitchen to bring to the back door, which we can bring to the elevator. And it's, it's a long arduous process at the same time. Now the other, uh, usher is cleaning by herself. So like now I'm kind of like wasting my time and someone else's time, but I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. So I do it. It takes like 30 minutes. And at this point, like I, I just give up and I drag the cardboard. I'm dragging it through the theater like with my hands, without a so, cart, right, right, because right. it's too yeah. big. Yeah. Taking it through the double doors of the kitchen, through like the kitchen, past the kitchen staff, through the back area to like put it in a dumpster, and and I just I just gave up, and I, like I got it done, but now like if someone went back to like get something like supplies, they just see this giant cardboard thing on like a tray. They're like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, so. Then one of the, one of the uh, one of my coworkers says, "You know, where that display was, to your right, there was just some doors. You could have just taken that out, like right next to it." And I'm like, "Well," and I immediately thought of the Maddie Granger story with Quentin Tarantino, where he's like, "Well, that would have been nice to know ten seconds ago." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I just looked at him like, "Are you are you serious?" He's just like, "Yeah." I was like, "Why didn't anybody tell me?" He's like, "Well, you were." We were busy, and you're in your groove, and I'm like, that's an awful excuse. <laughs> if you see me doing something that's five steps ahead, just take me and say, no, dude, you you could have just done this. Like, stop what you're doing, go back, and you're done. Then you're done. 
So, so learn my I, lesson. You're right. I, I have a question about one of the trailers I saw because it's a movie I'm never going to I'm never going to watch. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the new Jordan Peele. It looks like. Oh nope. Is that really what the thing is called? Yep, because and I'm, no, I'm not trying to say that, but like, nope. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying. Most like most movies I've seen where it's like an African American like person in a horror movie, they see like a dark all like a dark alleyway, or they see a monster, they just go nope. So I think honestly that's what it is. I think honestly it's just like. Jordan Peele, who's become like a great visionary yeah, uh, yeah. horror director, especially for the black community, which is a rarity because most of the time, like the black person in a horror movie or slasher ends the up guy dying. The, yeah, yeah, they're the either the comedy for, yeah. relief or they're the stereotype or they die quick or all three. So at least he's like making, you know, movies for himself and, and for his, you know, community. So I think that's what it is because it's just like, nope. <laughs> Okay. But if you notice, most of his most of the titles that he's done for the movies that he's done, which is Get Out, Us, and then Nope. So someone actually said, I think Jordan Peele is trying to explain to African Americans to get out of the U.S. And then their response is, Nope. No, you know what would be hysterical is. When he's done his career, like if he, like I don't know if he's made the Quentin, 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 Jesus, the Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that would have been nice to know ten seconds ago, CJ. <laughs> I don't know if he's made the Quentin Tarantino proclamation that he's only making like ten films or whatever it is that you know right. Quentin said. I don't remember, and that's not really relevant. But if he's doing something similar, if at the end of it, it spells out a whole sentence, maybe not the yeah. one you're proposing, but just in general right. of like, just you, you, you get this whole sentence, you know, would be, that would be pretty fucking funny. Would it, be even funnier it, if he's like, it's a word jumble and I'll figure out what the order is. Like <laughs> Jordan Peele is the director, Riddler, the Riddler director. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, like it would be, it would be great if it was like a sense of just like if you read this, your car is on fire or something like that, or if you if you if you could read this title, you're too close or something akin to that. You gave me all the monies, now get out. You know, like I don't know something it something would, to tie it like, to. There, there will be no sequel to any of my films. Yeah, something, or, or even better, it'll just be like, fuck you, Keegan Michael Key, or something akin to that. Yeah, something. It would be funny. So, but I'm uh, excited to see Nope. It looks very I, interesting. I gotta tell you, well, I probably won't watch it, because it's just mm. not my, my thing, right? Because it's a mm. horror flick. First off, it looked beautifully shot. Of all the trailers I saw, it was the, it was the prettiest looking film, and I mean that as a compliment, not a negative. Like, visually, it was stunning. Oh, the, the dude's got an eye. You know, he's got two. Um, that's yeah. how good he is. <laughs> he's got two. That's good. Um, but but it it did actually look quasi intriguing. I'm not gonna lie to you. It did. I'm not, I don't think it's enough to get me to watch it. But it did look intriguing. So did you see Get Out? No, dude. You honestly, Get Out is not scary. It's just really really intriguing because like there is so many hidden subtexts uh, in that film. Like little Easter eggs throughout, and like, and Jordan Peele has been like interviewed, and they said like these are the fan theories for the movie Get Out. Can you confirm them? He said absolutely, and he and he would like confirm them. He's like that's absolutely true. Like, I I don't want to reveal the plot 
Unless you're going to say, I'm never going to see it. Because uh, I think, tell I you, think like, the likelihood of it is it's pretty high that I'll never see it. So you'll never see it. And even if I, even if I do, then, Oh, well, it's not one of those ones. I'm okay. going to be upset that I know what's coming. So the, um, the initial premise is that a, a, like a young black man, uh, he plays uh black Panther's buddy in, uh, black. Yeah. Panther. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, wait, are you telling me about Nope or get out? Cause now I'm confused. Get out. Okay. Cause that guy's also in Nope. Yeah. So yeah. that the same actor. I care. I just is it, it's not the name. same character though. I'm, I'm assuming. No, 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 no. If it is, that's very surprising. Um, but he plays uh, the boyfriend of a white like woman, and she takes him to meet her. Like they're the type of racist liberals, in the sense where they're like they're being overly. They're being overly conscientious of the fact that he's black, but in a sympathetic way. Where like Bradley Whitford, uh, the the guy from like the West Wing, yeah, and, yeah, and, no, and that guy, yeah, he plays the dad, and Catherine Keener plays the mom, and he like puts his arm around you know the, the black boyfriend. And he's just like you know, listen, if I if I could have, I would have voted for Obama for a third election. Like he's being that kind of liberal racist, which is like you're only saying that because he's black. Like it's good. It's better to be a liberal racist than just a conservative racist. Or, or but it's a, like, yeah, yeah. Or they're doing the thing of like, so you know, are you from, uh, are you from a rough neighborhood? He's like, no, I'm like, I'm from like Chicago. Like I'm, I'm from Bel Air, like, motherfucker. No. Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, so. Where we slap as, people. Um. <laughs> the pursuit of slappiness. Uh, while he's. <laughs> So while he's there, like other uncomfortable things sort of happen, like the servants are all black and he kind of feels weird about being them. And then gradually there's an auction. There's a, like, a, there's a whole like bunch of white people that show up for a party and they are all white. This is, this is one of the hidden clues I'm telling you about. They're all white people and they show up in black vehicles. And while he's there, there's another young, uh, black guy played by, um, the guy from uh, "Sorry to Bother You." Um, I don't know, but yeah, you, you would you would know who I'm talking about. And he Probably. comes off very soft spoken, like wearing kind of Amish clothing. And he goes out to give him a fist bump, and the other guy shakes his fist because it's it's so unnerving. Right, right. So what you find out is that the family has actually figured out how to prolong white people by putting them in by putting their brains essentially in young black bodies okay it's kind of like invasion of the body snatchers but like white and black and racism (laughs) okay so and the problem is is that well not the problem but that the other part is that the black person is still in there they're like hypnotized and they're so they're still in the background and when they get a flash like a camera flash then it's them able to come out and control the body for a second. So that's what happens is he sees this guy, takes a so, photo of him with a cell phone, and the black guy like realizes what's going on and says, Get out! Get out! Uh, uh, so, so it's basically John being John Malkovich meets Moon Knight, kind of. It's, is it, It's, yeah, Moon Knight? You mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of, it's like, yeah, that's, it. honestly, the being John Malkovich thing is really like you really hit it on the on the head because Catherine Keener's in both, and that was one of the questions that 
Jordan Peele's ass. He's like, is this kind of an unofficial sequel to being John Malkovich? He's like, you know what? Fuck it. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but there are there are lots of like hidden racism subtext and everything. There's a part where eventually he reveals they're gonna fucking like put his brain in someone else's body or blah blah or so, someone else's brain in his body and blah blah blah. And he's constantly he's being hypnotized periodically and he thinks it's a dream he's sitting in a a leather chair and the tv is displaying it and it hypnotizes him so he understands that what what he sees is going to hypnotize him and knock him out so he literally is scratching the chair and pulls out cotton to shove in his ears to mm. muffle out the sounds mm. so essentially in order to in order to escape white torture and slavery he had to pick cotton Oh wow! I I didn't I didn't get that symbolism, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of that shit. So like, if you ever watch Get Out, like you and I that can actually, talk about it. That actually sounds because I like I I like being John Malkovich. Like that's a movie I enjoy. So I think I would enjoy that. It sounds like you would definitely like Get Out. Us is also good, but I like Get Out way more. Like he basically phrased it like Get Out is a art film. Us is a horror film. Okay, gotcha. Got well then maybe I'll check it out. I'll have to remember it and go check it out. Um we kinda did a backdoor uh joke about Will Smith and since we got some time to kill still, I wanted to ask you, like because there are certain act and, and and this may need a longer discussion, so if you feel like it does, we well you can put a pin in it and pick it up on another recording. But mm-hmm. we we have some actors that we talk about that we can't really watch anymore. Like like Obviously, mm-hmm. Cosby's one of them. Spacey's kind of on that line; like it's pretty close. And I can only watch like... Spacey if he's a villain, because that's just how. That's I all feel he. Now. I've only, I think I've only the only thing I think I've seen him not play a villain in is K Pax, but that's besides. That's the point. true. I liked K Pax, so that's kind of hard did, to not watch yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, are you asking the same thing about Will Smith? Is Will Smith well, persona well, not because it's not as. Because it's not as bad. Like, what he did, he, he, he certainly didn't... Ab- I mean, yes, it was a good what he did. No, neither of us said that. But it's it's a one-off, to our knowledge, it's a one-off incident that occurred. Yes, it occurred publicly on a TV show that was broadcast around the world. But it's not, it's not a repeated offense, and he's certainly not... I'm saying, what? You're, you're giving me the, the cheek there. <laughs> God. The th- this is the second time that I've been aware where Will Smith has slapped a man in public. What's the f- what was the first one? Cause this- so the first one he was being interviewed at a, like a, a a fucking premiere for one of his movies, or he just happened to be there on a red sure, carpet or sure. whatever. And the way I understood it, the way I've seen it, the way it's been labeled to me is that someone who was European, so not American, it was interviewing him, and then to say goodbye. Kiss, tried to kiss him on the cheek. Will Smith complied, but their faces got like their crosshairs got mixed. Yeah, and the dude accidentally kissed Will Smith on the lips. Will Smith freaked the fuck out and slapped backhanded the dude. Not not like how he fucked up Chris Rock. Well, that's what I'm he's saying. Like, hey man, what the fuck's your problem? And like slapped him twice in the face and just kept going with it. But I'm like, it was a, it was a mis- it was like a. Uh, an that, honest mistake. That, it wasn't yeah, like see, the dude was trying to fucking tongue and, kiss. Fucking and it, yeah, but see, that still doesn't feel as egregious as the Chris Rock thing. So, like, it's it's not as egregious. But I'm saying this is kind of like 
Will Smith is is not afraid of putting his hands on anybody, and when you're in this profession, you should be afraid of putting your hands on anybody. I, I guess my point though is that it's still not a Bill Cosby. It's not a Spacey. It's no, not a, it's not a Will Al- Woody Allen. It's not you know. It's not. It's not um, fucking Weinstein. It's not things like that, right? It's not to this level of egregiousness. It's like it's not T.J. Miller. You know what I mean? Like it's not Crystalia. It's not any of those fucking right, guys that it, are it, preying it, on people. It was just Will was, Smith had a bad night. It was bad judgment. It sounds like on two instances, but we'll just say one for the purpose of the Oscar discussion, right? You know, not not saying the other one didn't happen, but let's just stick to the one, right? The but he had the one bad, the one bad, the one bad night, right? So like to me, because at first it was a little weird, but now that we're I, what a way, are you almost two months removed at this point? Like, it's been some time. It's About maybe, a month, yeah. Is it only a month? It feels longer, but that's fine. It I'm not gonna, feels longer, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's only been um, about a month, I think. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to argue that point. That's not really important. Because I watched iRobot last night, just because I was mm-hmm. flipping through stuff and lo- really looking for something I didn't care about. That way, if I fell asleep, like it, I didn't care if I missed it, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually didn't. I was enjoying it, and had and and he's on camera ninety nine percent of the film. Like, there's very, it's one of those movies where like the the main character's on every shot, you know. So, you know, it's my answer is sort of the same as how I feel about Tom Cruise because you always assume that I just don't like Tom Cruise's acting. I think Tom Cruise is a great actor. I think Will Smith is a charismatic and can be a great actor, but Bef- on his personal level, I'm not a real fan right but that's because but see here's the big difference right that at least i the way i view it maybe you you read more on shit than i do so you might know something i don't to be 100 mm-hmm. percent blunt and honest about it right but mm-hmm. will we've seen at least one incident we'll put it that way that where he he did some like not so smart stuff right Mm-hmm. Tom, we we haven't really seen him do anything bad. We've heard you've heard stories, and the only the only bad thing that you've seen him do, and I'm using air quotes for the audience, is the jumping up and down on Oprah's couch, however many years ago. I'm not saying you're saying that's bad. I'm saying that's the only real like visual thing that we've seen him do. Now he's no. tied to an organization that's done a bunch of terrible shit, but I mean, no, Tom Tom uh, has been incredibly. He's very full of himself because he's arguably one of the biggest stars on the planet. But, and but do we have recorded evidence like we do for all these other people? Yes, he's been interviewed numerous times, like with like Matt Lauer, ironically, who is also a piece of shit, you know. But like he's been interviewed by other people, and he just like like there was a whole thing he did where he gave Brooke Shields a bunch of shit because Brooke Shields had postpartum depression after giving birth to her child. And how she had to take antidepressants. And because Tom Cruise is right. deep into Scientology... They don't believe in said, that stuff, yeah. yeah. Right. And he said psychiatry is bullshit, antidepressants is bullshit, and that she should have, like, like el- eaten healthier and gone for a jog. And that's all in her head, and how dare she sprout this misinformation about psychiatry, psychiatry. And it had nothing to do with him. He's not friends with Brooke. She wasn't in the room. 
he was all he was giving his very misguided opinion. Was he asked off, though? That's the thing. Yeah. See, that's that that was well, that's the thing though. He was asked. See, like that that's I don't I and wait wait just hear me out. In general, in interviews, like I hate when when a celebrity and I don't care if it's Tom Cruise or anybody, like I don't care who it is, if they're asked about something and they they answer it with an honest opinion and then they get shit on for presenting that opinion when they were asked. I would have a bigger problem with it if that wasn't brought up at all and he went, oh, and by the way, you know who's a piece of crap? Brooke Shields because blah, 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 blah. Then I'd I, be on board. But I agree with you, but I also do agree that there should be in everybody, whether they're a celebrity or a scientist or a fucking garbage man, you can say, I don't know. Or you can, you can also say, you know, I don't know if I should give my opinion. And then move on. There are plenty of opportunities where you could be like, you know, it's not my place to say. Tom Cruise should just been like, it's not my place to say because I've never given birth. You know, you're you're not wrong, but I think, and I'm not even defending Tom. I'm de- defending right. celebrities as a whole. I think in those situations, they're in a lose lose scenario because if they said if they had said what you did, you know, then it would be a whole thing about oh well they don't want to give their opinion so anyway that's that's a whole we, we i think we need to put a pin in this because you and i could keep going and we're already at 40 minutes and we haven't gotten even to our movies but our guest is ready so i want right. to bring her in let's br- let's bring her in so uh we're finally with our guest and she has been kind enough to join us again she was with us for uh the history of the world part one and our deep dive into that film. Uh, when you're doing a film like that, you need a historian. Uh, I don't know what you need <laughs> when you're doing Lethal Weapon, but we brought her back anyway just because she loves the films. Jess, hi. Welcome back. Hi, guys. You know why you brought me on? Because uh, I grew up in a household that had TBS, and when you were bored, you <laughs> yes. just had, you know, Lethal Weapon came on, so you just watched it. I was, And then when you have the kind of father I have, he's like, why are you watching this shit on TBS? Hold on, let's pop in the tape with all the cuss words and everything good in it, because you're only getting half of Lethal Weapon right true. now. And so that's it true. became a thing in our house. Yeah, I was, the, the TBS version is essentially the silenced weapon. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say we were gluttons for punishment, but that was much more eloquent. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's almost like I do this professionally. Almost, almost, almost. Um, but no, we 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 had told you we were doing it uh, off air, and you were like, "Oh, you you asked if you could join us for this." So we we said absolutely because we love having you on. Um, so we are glad to have you here, and by coincidence. Even though you won't be hearing this for a few weeks from when we're actually recording it, it is the 30th anniversary of Lethal Weapon 3 today. So that's very fitting for us to be recording this today. Um, it wasn't planned. It was it not was... planned. No. It just It just worked out that way. Well, it was planned to record today. We just didn't realize it was the anniversary when we planned it. Um, so Happy we... Yeah, happy accident for sure. Happy it's little because treat. I'm harder to work with than Mel Gibson. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that's very bad then. Maybe. Uh, so. You, oh, come you, on. You call... y'all, y'all are going to let that joke fall that flat. Come how, on. It was a call... giggle worthy. Do you call everybody sugar tits when you're pissed off at them? No, just myself in the mirror when I'm like revving myself up in the morning. 
Get it, sugar tits. Hi, Jess. Um, uh, <laughs> Sorry. I've been recording all day, and it's all been about history, so I'm excited to be having fun. No, we're definitely going to have a good time here, and this it'll be good. And so so before we get into the, the, the nitty-gritty of these films, uh, Rico, you and I love to do a thing, and, and Jess, I'd love for you to take uh, take part in this if you'd like, because the last time you joined us, it was only a single film, so we didn't do this. But when we have a franchise like this, Rico and I typically rank them in our preference. So it's not necessarily what we think are the best to the worst. We just rank them in our preference in, in w- the way we enjoy them individually the most. So, yeah. So let, let's let's do our rankings. Just since I kind of sprung this on you, I would normally say let our guests go first. But I want to give you a minute if you so you can put your thoughts together. Um Rico, why don't you give us yours first? Now, keep in mind, Jess, just for you, because I know you're a huge fan of this, these are our preference of just how we enjoy them, not what we think are the best films. Because mine, my number one is not what I honestly think is the best film, but it's the one I enjoyed the most. So just so you understand. But go ahead. I Before I give my ranking, I do have to say, like, this is one of the rare franchises where I feel like, like there are some better than others. There are some that I prefer over others. But I overall love all four of these films semi-equally based on the fact that they're all directed by Dick Donner. They're all starring the same people. So I kind of view this as like one collectively long movie with shit, some good, some bad in the middle. But my overall ranking of preference is two, four, one, and three. Okay. As soon as I said two, you, you look like you had a stroke. No, I didn't, but I, 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 I suspect I'm going to be in the minority on which shock is on mine, but, uh, it's four, one, three, two for me. And, and, and honestly, four and one for me are like one, one, a, it's not even a one, two type of scenario. Like I, I like them both equally, but for different reasons. So if I have to rank them out, I'll. Ford gets the edge by just that much, but really, it's it's like that for me. Jess, two, three, four, one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I have I have two. Two was so forgettable for me. It, it oh, it's so forgettable that I almost forgot what it was about, even when I was watching. It's it. about diplomatic immunity. That's what it's about. That's true. Uh, Jess, what's up? The problem with that one is, first, um, of course, the original script is edited because, you know, there there wasn't a franchise. The, the original OG writer wasn't, like, really looking at a franchise. Riggs is supposed to die at the end. It's Good supposed life. to be that darker tone of the first film. Problem with the first film is we don't really have context for the darkness we see in the first one all the way until the second film. So in some ways, in some ways, it's the weakest villain. So I see why it's maybe not people's favorite. It's kind of the most boring story, but it's where they break away from trying to kind of be that die hard, like, uh, and they really embrace that cop buddy comedy dynamic. And it really becomes funny to me. And I think that kind of is what launches the franchise. So that two is, 
Two's an interesting bid because it is the weakest film story-wise because it had to be changed and altered so much. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys know this or if I'm talking out of my ass. No, you're but I fine. I felt like everybody knew this. Um, so because it had to be changed and it had to be changed so much because Warner Brothers said, uh-uh-uh, we have franchise. Like, we can make this a franchise um, and at that time, they were spending a relatively small amount of money on what was big box office earnings. So mm-hmm. I see why you you alter the script. So I feel like it's it's weak because of those last minute and, and the changes that had to be done to the script. Maybe what the original story was. It's maybe the weakest in story, but it's the beginning of where they stopped trying to be like, so kind of that 80s sort of buddy drama, but one of us is hard and one of us is, to borrow a term from the wire, good murder police and let it kind of become a comedy action franchise. So, so that's why I appreciate it the most. So he, here, here's my thought on that, Jessica, because I don't disagree with you, but but here's where I'm at, right? When they did that, and I'm okay with them switching it from to, to more of a lighter comedy thing. I think that's one of the reasons what I like about four is some of the real comedy that's in that one. But my issue with it specifically is that there are so many things that were established in one that you could have still gone a lighter and still addressed that I feel like got dropped altogether. Like Riggs being barely suicidal. yeah, suicidal and and borderline nuts. Like just goes, disorder. what? Yeah, just kind of goes away. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, it just completely goes away until they tie it into the guy who's like, "Oh, I killed your wife." You know, so it, that that anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, you wanted to. Yeah, no, you don't I need to raise your hand. I don't think it goes away. I think that ultimately we kind of view Riggs through through Murtaugh's kind of view beginning in the story and by the second one we're supposed to have known they've worked together so long that this shit well, no longer seems crazy it's well, just so, who Riggs is this happens this is just my life now so wait I mean, that, that support Murtaugh's house in the course of these movies yeah and that brings up actually a, a question I wanted to pose to both of you and, and Rico you probably know this and Jess you might too but I know this is the kind of thing Rico typically knows when I when I bring them up are these supposed to be real time? So is the first one supposed to be 1987 and then 1989 and then 92 and 98? Like, is it supposed to be... And what I mean by real time is the gap in between the films. Because if that's the case, then I can buy Jess's argument a little more. But if it's only, like, six months later, you know, not so much, you know? Uh, The answer is yeah. Because I, I think they wouldn't be able to have, like like the cars of that year not be in the background and shit like that. So like I, I assume, and, and you could see the relationship between Riggs and Murtaugh grow. Yes. Apart, you know, apart from being disgruntled partners forced to be together to becoming essentially brothers and the relationship with Riggs and Murtaugh's family so mm-hmm. yeah, it's got to be said in real time because the kids are fucking growing. Well, like the reason you can I'm... literally mark it through the daughter being in school to like her acting career. By the time we get to that scene, by we get to what is it, the third or fourth movie? Is she rehired? Right. Is she? So we see her growth into like Chris Rock's character, of course, in the in the fourth one. So I think yeah, it's probably 
paste, right? I, I yeah, only ask because we've seen other films that don't do that. And I mean, like like we talked about when we did John Wick, Rico, that all happens over like 10 days. All three films is over like, a, I think we said like 10 days or 15. I, like I it was not we a, discovered it was like, I think we actually did the math and it was like something like the three films is like over the course of like, Three weeks to a month, right? It was so, it was something where, yeah. like that. It was not a long window of time, is what I'm saying. It wasn't multiple years like this is, even though the spacing on John Wick is about the same between as it is with these Lethal Weapon films. So you know, and and the reason why they can get away with that is because in no like, the John Wick movies, there's all the like old fashioned cars, like the, the Dodges and shit. So true, true. Um. Is it? Let me, let me ask you both a question. Is it do? Is it just me, or is Lethal Weapon Four essentially the closest thing we would get to Rush Hour Four? <laughs> um, it's a basically an L.A. cop movie with two partners who bicker and are brothers, but also don't get along, and also there's a huge Chinese influence. Is that not fucking? That's, that's Lethal right. Hour Four, man. They initially offered the part to Jackie Chan instead of Jet Li, and he never plays a bad guy, though. So, yeah, that's true. Oh, it no, would have been. No, I don't. I don't play yeah. that guy. Fucking, <laughs> and but like Jet Li, also that was like his first, like, American Jet movie. Too. Also, though. He hasn't played a villain since. Well, I hear he's so. in pretty bad shape physically. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. Um, but and I don't mean like. That. What's that? He was a fun villain for this, though. No, he like, absolutely just... was. Yeah, no, I mean, it was my first expo- exposure to him as an actor, for sure. And I think for most people, it was their yeah. first exposure to him. Um, I, I I, really enjoy one, although, Jess, I agree with you 100%. They were, at least in the first one, while there is some comedy going on, they're definitely going for the diehard feel versus what it becomes as the franchise progresses. I I agree with you there where Die Hard still kind of holds on in that franchise to its its roots all the way through and we'll we'll be discussing that in a few episodes so we'll, we'll also, get to that. They're also oh, we're both... talk about how both guys were offered each other's parts for those and then took the parts they did. I think they chose exactly right. Actually. We can I didn't know that so you guys feel free to I didn't I wasn't aware but so you that's take it. that. Well, I mean, that, she, she said it best that basically Bruce Willis was offered Riggs, Mel Gibson was offered John McClane, and they're like, no, and they swapped. And well, actually, what 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 Mel Gibson said was no, because like this is definitely one of the most He's amazing. Yeah, this is one of those. Uh, this is one of those movies where like periodically his Australian accent creeps in here and there and i and it's not when he's like acting it's when you can tell he's done some adr looping or like it's just like you hear and like his his back is to the camera and he's there like oh what are you doing raj it's like what why 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 are you saying raj like you're from fucking down under like you've been in la for 20 years at this point dude like you're not mad max you're you're mild-mannered max now (laughs) calm down I always compare it to it's it's kind of the same progression that Christian Bale 
had in his career. You can tell where their accents are completely destroyed by transatlantic travel. Mm-hmm. And and it's in that first one, you're exactly right. It's it's when they do those moments and you get those like suddenly Australian Mel Gibson and you're like, what? Why? <laughs> it, it's not just the first one though. Like it 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 peepers yeah. out in two and three Three randomly because I'm like, motherfucker, like you've been in other shits. Like it's not like you were just doing these four movies and you weren't practicing other accents. Like you did fucking Braveheart, as questionable as your Scottish accent was. It was an Australian, so at least you have some capabilities. <laughs> and you've been giving interviews as an American for years now, like with an American accent for and years. And he's dropped it. Yeah, it's completely obliterated now. Yeah. It's completely gone. I mean, he. I, I think he would have to actually go to Australia in order to find his accent again. He'd have to hang out with Anthony LaPaglia. Jay might have it. Accent. Jay probably has it in her closet. Ship Christian Bale back to Wales as well. I'm just saying, people that lost their shitty accents, if we're, like, deporting them. Uh, I don't know. I, that's, a good, I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I think uh, Christian Bale... I, no, I st- I still want Christian Bale to hang around and do the fake biopic that I came up with. I want him to play himself as a method teacher, where he's teaching the method to a whole group of students, and how he is so confused of how to be a method actor that he slowly <laughs> implodes into a wisp of smoke. And we want to call. I want to call that movie. Oh, good for you! Like that's 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 what I want. For you. Um. um yeah. No, so, I just like. I love this franchise. There's so many facts, but I, I just want to like last comment on that. I think the right choices were made by actors and whoever their agents are. And that can you imagine Die Hard? without Bruce Willis. Can you imagine Lethal Weapon without Mel Gibson? That's weird. It's weird, and I think they chose correctly and well. I, I can't, I cannot imagine Lethal Weapon without Mel Gibson or Danny Glover. That's the other, like, I agree. I agree. That's the and, other lock in the, in the, in the key. And, and Jess, you, because I know you don't listen regularly, we did a, uh, we did a Dick Donner deep dive a year and some change ago, I want to say at this point. Something, something yeah. Something we like call, that. Yeah, we called it the Donner Party. Yeah. And, and it, was, uh, it was right after he died. And we're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. And so we, d- we did touch on these briefly there, but we also touched on a bunch of his other films, so we didn't get as in-deep on these as, as we could have. Created incredible continuity between all four films, which span from very different time periods. And I want to applaud Lethal Weapon for its continuity in both action sequences, dialogue, um, the way that the relationship grows in familiarity. And I don't think that's possible if, like, it's there's not all four movies under that one roof. I th- I think we were talking about. The casting of Danny Glover. That's where you were, I think, alluding to. Yeah, I still to. don't. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, well, sorry. I thought we were talking about no. movie continuity initially. You know me. I may I go and make it way more complicated than it needs to no, be. You, you did. Not, I know about the casting of Danny Glover. Was there anybody no, else? No, I, I was just saying that, like, you said uh, Mel Gibson was perfect for Riggs. I'm like, I agree. But I also have to say the movie would have fallen... 
would have been half as successful if it wasn't Danny Glover as Murtaugh. Like it, it was, it wouldn't just be some other black actor. It had to be specifically Danny Glover because Danny Glover brings that. He he brings he is Murtaugh. Like he is the older seasoned black guy who's too old for this shit. I mean, who else do we want to listen to going rigs like throughout every fucking movie? Morgan Freeman. No. I don't know. I don't know if Morgan Freeman is actually capable of yelling. Have it it's like it's not as funny. I don't. I, I don't think it would be as funny. Or if let's say you had a Samuel L. Jackson, it's like oh no, aggressive yeah. to not be funny. It was perfect. It was perfect casting, and that you had two opposites. Like again, to use from the wire. You know, murder police, old school kind of cop guy, and then like a wild card come together. And um, the way they fit it and kind of together and the way it's written, I think is is fun. And it's it's really where there was always the premise for like buddy cop movies. Right. But this Mm -hmm. is where they're really born. I Uh, think I'll, I'll say this. I blame Dick Donner for Michael Bay. (laughs) <laughs> I blame Michael Bay for Michael Bay. No, the amount of explosions unnecessarily in this franchise. Like, I noticed that this time going through it. The amount of explosions unnecessarily in this franchise. Like, the amount of shit that blows up for for no particular reason is very but, on par with Michael Bay. God, yes. But no. also, about the time period that is common oh, in this no. yeah, yeah. period that's that's kind of the whole thing this like random explosions it's where we get like cliche shit like cool guys walk away from explosions like this was a a time and space for about a decade that that was very much a film genre and and a lot of times how it was presented if we're really blaming somebody for that type of machismo explosion, bang, bang, shoot, shoot shit, it really should be Joel Silver. Yeah. The producer. Yeah. Because Joel Silver is the motherfucker who like had his, he had his fingers in almost every big eighties explosion movie pre like even pre Jerry Bruckheimer and pre Michael Bay. So like, it's really Joel Silver uh, who, I mean, Dick Donner, we, we mentioned that his career has been completely eclectic because this is the same guy who did the Goonies. He also did the Omen and he did Superman and he did lethal weapon. It's like it, we mentioned, or at least I mentioned because you, you hadn't seen it, CJ, but he also did a movie called Maverick. Jeff, yeah, you know, yeah. Maverick, Maverick movie, the gambler Maverick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the Lethal Weapon, like, cameo in that movie? No, I haven't seen Maverick since it came out. You, okay, I've so, never even heard another person say the name of that movie, but I remember it, yeah. Okay, yes, so... He's a gambler. Yeah, so he's a gambler. It's also directed by Dick Donner, who did the Lethal Weapon 4 movie, the all, okay. three, all four Lethal Weapon films. So, at one point, there's a robbery... And a black guy wearing a fucking bandana over his mouth robs everybody. And they look at each other, meaning Mel and the black guy, and he takes down the bandana and it's Danny Glover. And the fucking music from Lethal Weapon where it's the sentimental music. And they look at each other and they kind of like are trying to recognize each other and they go, 
No. Like, I, they don't, like, do I know? No. <laughs> I remember this. I haven't thought of Maverick in years, but I know exactly this movie, and it, it obviously made an impression. I remember watching this. I remember this film. It's, Just because it, it, it's of, like if their grandparents were like meeting yeah. each other in the old west. That's what it is. Exactly. Like old west transitioning into like riverboat co- like culture the further south you get. It, but that that time period it is super funny. I remember now. Yeah. Rewatch but, Maverick and just think of that as the unofficial prequel to Lethal Weapon. That's what we're calling it now. So there are now five movies. Maverick, and then Lethal Weapon 1, yada, yada. But there will also technically be, because we were discussing uh, on the, the Dick Donner episode, who, what, who now that Dick Donner's dead, will they ever make a Lethal Weapon 5? They were going to make a Lethal Weapon 5, and Dick Donner said it would be the last movie he does. And then, and then he passed away, and Rico and I postulated if they were still going to make the movie with, with, Dick Donner dead, the only person who could direct it would be Mel Gibson. Six months ago, they announced they're doing five with Mel directing. I did not know that. Yep. <laughs> that is news to me. Yeah, they, yeah. they are going forward with five with Mel Gibson directing. No, we, we both agreed that that's going to work because he spent so much time learning from, from Dick Donner that he would... And we feel like he would pay homage to that style. He wouldn't just do a Mel Gibson film. He would do his best uh, Dick Donner uh, homage. And mm-hmm. so we feel like if they do, if they if they still go through with it as they're talking about, that it will be okay. Like it won't be like, oh no, don't do that. <laughs> you know. So I guess. I don't know. I don't love the idea of it because I think it is kind of one of those weirdly perfect standalone franchises. It stopped when it started to fall apart. Um, it begins when you add the comedy presence of Pesci and then we take it, of course, into the end of Chris Rock. So I just like it as a standalone and I don't know that I want to see a vibe. Yeah, but that, I have no but... desire for it. Yeah, but now it's in. Now it's a thing where they're taking, like, now is the day where they're making sequels, direct sequels, as opposed to remakes, of successful stuff that kind of fizzled out in the 90s, and they're making it, like, have a big, grandiose comeback. Example, Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa in 2005, after 1990s Rocky V, was pretty fucking amazing. Compared to, like, the other films. Uh, And then Creed gave it full force life back into the franchise. Um, uh, Maybe not necessarily the the most recent Rambo, but the one before it. John Rambo was, like, bringing back the fucking franchise back to life. Uh, Again, also not necessarily Die Hard 5, but they also kind of were making those movies every, like, six to ten years anyways. Two words, Indiana Jones. But they're making Indiana Jones five, and it actually sounds like it's going to be good this time. And and so here, here's a here's a little bit of information about Lethal Five. Now it's right now it's listed as Lethal Weapon Five, but they're saying it may be changed to Lethal Finale for the fifth, which might be an interesting title switch. Um, 
I kind of like it. Yeah, Rico, it. Rico and I are both fans at this point where they don't just say such and such one, such and such two. We like when there's like a colon or a twist, although he likes it in some franchises better than others. Like, I like the way they do it with the Fast and the Furious franchise, and he was like, what the fuck? But that's, My, you know. my opinion is that you choose one or the other. You, right. you don't, yeah, if you're starting with numbers, you stay with numbers. Right, so in but this case, I'm, I'm willing 11. to give an exception to this. Yeah, so this is, this is, there's a couple different pieces of trivia for the, for the newest one, but this is the one I feel to be the most relevant to the discussion. It says... This will be the only film series in the series not directed by Richard Donner, who sadly passed away during pre-production in 2021. So this was already in the works with him involved when he mm-hmm. died. This is not something they came up with after he passed on. Um, here's the key, and this is the part you might like, Jess. However, due to his years, he had personally asked Mel Gibson to take over in the event of his passing. So the, he had a plan in place for this to continue if he died before it got made. And it was specifically with Mel to do it. So it's not like it's not like the studio said, okay, well, Mel, you can do it. Or Mel went on an ego trip and said, well, I'll fucking do it then. You know, like apparently this was a plan and it was actually Dick's uh, perspective. The torch has been passed. And at his request, that's the key. Right for me just you it's all over your face like fuck no <laughs> i don't know if you guys any of you out there are always sunny in philadelphia fans but i feel like you guys have just taken me through the fucking thunder gun express like episode the reboot version i know what and she's talking i have about. just turned into the cast of it's always sunny uh no like th- i feel like this didn't, gonna- they, didn't they make a lethal weapon five for the record they made more than a couple of the weapons in there. Those episodes are banned. Um, but the the important part is like the ideology. Like, why does it need another one? Uh, okay, I get. Okay, Money? what's the story supposed to be? I'm trying. I'm trying to find that, Jess. Actually, I've been looking to see if I could get in it. Uh, uh, okay, I, I can guarantee. I can guess what the is a, or Donald Glover. Danny Glover is like. 80? Damn, so was Mel Gibson. Okay. Dan- Danny Glover what? is uh, 76. 76 okay, so years old. 80. And no, he's not 80, he's 76. Uh, and let's see, Mel is. Jesus. Mel is 60, but his liver like is 112. Silverado is with Mel like is, Kevin Costner, Dan, Danny Glover. God, I'm old. Mel is 66. They're exactly 10 years apart. Okay, so here's what I prophesy, prophesize as the plot of lethal finale to be, right? There's going to be kidnapped children. There, there's going to be, it's going to be Butters's, Butter and Leanne's kid. It's going to be Riggs's kid. And they got kidnapped by some fucking relative of a previous villain of a previous movie. And Riggs and Murtaugh are the only motherfuckers to take them down because they're finally the right age for this shit. You know, it's going to be Lethal Weapon Senior Edition. It's going to be, you know, senior citizen, lethal seniors, and they're going to fucking, you know, be fine. You know, I, I, (laughs) Riggs is going to grow out his. It meets grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 
<laughs> it's going to be the gone fishing, but uh, with uh, Riggs and Murtaugh. <laughs> Um, Joe Pesci, I guarantee Leo Getz is going to be like retired. He's going to be like on a fucking uh, a rocking chair, and he's just like rocking to himself, and he's mumbling. He's like, "Stutter, motherfucker, you stutter, just rocking to the beat and rocking to his mother." And they're just going to fucking don't mind the earring. (laughs) Okay, okay, whatever you want, Leo Getz, and they're going to fuck, and then they're going to show up and be like, "Leo, we finally need you for something." We need your help. We need you to find where this fucking place is. And Leo's like, I've been waiting fucking 20 years for this shit. Like, whatever you want, Leo gets. I'll get it for you. Okay, 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 okay. That's what I think. It's going to be It's going to be a kidnapping. It's going to be a revenge movie. It's going to be, have, I would hope, has something more to do with Murtaugh as opposed to Riggs. Because the first two films are essentially all about Riggs. Well, my biggest um, thing with three is you have a whole act with no Murtaugh. But, you know... The entire second of, well, act of three has no Murtaugh in it. Listen, I, I am... I'm not the biggest fan of three. Well, before... And, but, sorry. Go ahead. And we are kind of jumbling around, but I want to say one thing about three. The movie itself, I'm not a fan of. The 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 crooked cop thing is fine. But the one of the best parts of the whole entire franchise is, in my opinion the accidental shooting of Murtaugh's son's friend, who's in the gang, mm. who shot at Riggs and Murtaugh with a fucking stolen cop gun, a cop killer gun, cop and kill. with the armor-piercing bolt rounds and was shot in self-defense. And it fucking destroys Murtaugh. And he's missing because he's on his boat, shit-faced drunk. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm, not and, that, I'm not saying that that's not a relevant thing. I cry at that I, part. I cried today watching it. Yeah. yeah, okay, good. It's not just me. Um, real quick, so this, just just to button up what we were talking about before we get back into three, this is unofficial from what I can tell. This is not confirmed, but the plot line, the only one I could find for Lethal Weapon 5 is Homicidal Riggs is about to retire, but Paul's... Mer- Murtaugh out of retirement for one more case before they both officially head off into the sunset. Yeah, but that was that early pitch. Um, no, I'm just like, saying that's that's the only thing that I can find. That, that No, yeah. I'm aware of that one, but that was like an early pitch, like much earlier in like the, the early 2000s when they were first considering Lethal yeah. Weapon 5. I think I that was... Pitch, the reality and made it into that a show. no longer works anymore. And then they made it a show that I never watched. And I understand for some reason they do kill off Riggs in the second season. And then because, we're supposed to. Because the guy that played. Because the guy that played Riggs was like legit psycho. Like not yeah, the he, character. He, he was method as Riggs. No. I don't even know anything about he, it. No, he, he than... legit was like making death threats to other people on set, including Damon Wayans. Like he was, he was go- like they fired his ass and killed the character off. Yeah. Yeah. When you make Mel Gibson look calm and collected. Yeah. And the part of Riggs, right. you know, comparatively. <laughs> It's that's fucking bad. I haven't seen any of the Lethal Weapon show mostly because I, it hasn't been available for like a thing that I'm interested in. It's not like I've actively looked for it, 
and it's not like oh here's it's on netflix or anything like that i'm like oh yeah okay i'll give it a shot um i'm curious of the replacement because they do kill Riggs and they replace it with like his cousin yes yeah, and is, is it? Am I remembering this wrong? Is this Sean William Scott? Is, is uh, like the that I'll have to let you know. That I don't know, but I know it's the cousin. Yeah, because I'll watch Stifler as Riggs. It's not Riggs. It's it's he, he's it's, he's he, 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 It's not even like a Riggs clone. Like he's a different. It is on Hulu, Rico. Okay, so all right. Um, Riggs was originally played by a guy guy named Clayne Crawford. Yeah. That sounds right. And then, yes, you're correct. Wesley Cole, the replacement of Riggs, Riggs's cousin, was Sean William Scott. So they really should have just stopped it. I mean, I haven't seen one episode of it, but like, um, can you, I take you, it a step further it. and say they really shouldn't have made it? I agree. I absolutely agree. That was that whole thing that like they're doing where. The studios are like, hey, we own some shit. Let's make TV. Well, there was, there was a run on that, if you remember. <laughs> there was a run on that for a while, because they did a Rush Hour TV show. They did a Lethal Weapon TV show. They did... Um, the reboots of Miami Vice. Bunch of bull- Reboot of Chips, for Christ's sake. Yep. They, oh, they also were trying desperately to make a, a fucking TV show of Beverly Hills Cop. But yep. here's the problem. When you're adapted, like they literally did a show about Taken. Yep. And it was a prequel. Uh-huh. It was a modern day prequel. And look, the motherfucker they cast as Brian as Brian Mills looks a lot like a young Liam Neeson. So like the casting is spot on. He's not as hung as well, under- but you know whatever. I mean, you know, he's hung like a fucking fire hydrant, not a fucking firehouse. So, um, <laughs> you kill Jess. I kill it, Jess. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jess, Liam Neeson's cock is so big. How big it's is it? It's never been taken. <laughs> he can't even take I credit for that. that. He can't take. You don't take... know how many times. I'm fixing to call everybody when I get off this podcast. If, if you really want. Start telling that joke. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. But if you really want them, there's just if you if you ever listen to Hollywood Babylon with Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith, they end every show with Liam Neeson cock jokes, and it's three to five. How big is his cock? And that was one of them. So I don't even know. If, was that at the one you were at, Rico, or no? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah. Liam Neeson's cock is so big. It's it once a year it sheds its foreskin. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, but my, my the whole point is that these shows that are adapted from gritty, hard R movies are never successful. Lethal no. Weapon is kind of an anomaly. The fact that it's gone more than one season. The show did. The show was actually doing well. It was getting viewers. It was uh, the only reason why it it it, it fell apart was because Clayne went kind of nutty and and did what he did. And when it replaced Riggs, everyone kind of checked out. Honestly, is what happened. You know. But like, why like why make a PG thirteen made for TV show? Like, if this was like an HBO Max or a Netflix series. And they kept it hard R. Like, who the fuck wants to see a show of young Rambo? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it depends. It came out in 2016, and it went three seasons, Rico, just to be clear. 
But it, clearly, it, we were desperate for TV in 2016 and 2019. But I think the point, my point for bringing up the year is that this this run of doing like streaming series is is even bigger now than it was six years ago. So like if this Agreed. if they had thought of this now, I think you're right. It would have gone right to a Netflix, a Paramount, Peacock, one of those streaming services that it, whoever owns the fucking who owns Lethal Weapon. I don't remember. Is it Fox? Uh, it's uh, Warner Brothers. All right, so it would be on HBO Max then, because just yeah. because you know, so that's that's where it would be, and I think I think that's where it would have ran. The problem is, you still would have had this, uh, you know, this guy go nuts as rigs if it's the same cast. Now, the one thing I'm kind of disappointed in that I didn't know is Jordana Brewster's in this, and God damn it, you know how much I like her, but that's what it is. Go ahead, Jess. I was just gonna say I agree with Rico. The idea of a PG thirteen lethal weapon is so stupid because it's one of those scripts that that swearing, cursing, however, fuck is so well placed in that script, especially mm-hmm. in the context of when they're messing with Joe Pesci's character, when they're messing with Leo, like all through the movies, like the use of like the fuck like shut the fuck up and those kind of things like i do understand you're not watching the movie on tv like tbs right you really aren't because it it doesn't lend itself to a pg-13 kind of scenario tv show whatever the great thing is it's well placed like dialogue in which you you need that hard art i agree it's it's so stupid to imagine watching that as a television show like that. It's essentially a, it's a lethal weapon loaded with blanks is really what the best <laughs> way to describe it. But like nothing compares because I, I watched the majority of all four films on uh, this and they were special editions, which was like I didn't realize there were special editions. And there I've seen cuts. Well, yeah, I mean, at this point, they're the same thing. But like they came with the, the DVDs that I bought i bought all four films on dvd on amazon and it was like this fucking four pack and they got all the like different versions of like director's cut no no, it's all just widescreen special editions who however whoever fucking did the subtitles needs to be shot with a lethal weapon (laughs) because spelling or listening and like transcribing. It's not even the same fucking shit. It's not even the same sentences. Like, it's like Did they you try to get like that AI robot that wrote that. Uh, I, I don't know if Siri didn't do it right. <laughs> but like, literally, there was like a line like, all right, for example, it was like Riggs says to Murta, oh yeah, well, fuck you. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to. Tear the fucking roof off and shit down it. Not a real lime making one up. The sub- subtitles come up saying, like, you know, Murta, I really don't appreciate that. I'm going to blow up this building. It's like, wait, what the fuck? That's not even close to what the fuck he said. Or, I mean, they, the, the, the subtitles are like PG-13 for a different movie than what you're watching and listening to. So if you're deaf... You are watching the movie, and you're like, this is the dumbest dialogue I've ever fucked. Who wrote this shit? And you're missing out on what's actually being said. Because you're right, Jess. The dialogue is... terrible. The dialogue makes 
these movies. It really does. Like, yeah. like literally, I think at one point they're like, uh, I'm getting too old for this shit. It's like, I think I'm too old. It's like, that's not the line. That's no, not no. the iconic <laughs> line. I was going to say, that's like, that, 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 that almost became the un, unofficial tagline of all the films after the first one, really. Right. is. Do you know how many times a week that like line comes out I'm I'll, getting I'll, too I'll, old for this shit I'll do like you Dave one clever style all I'll, the time I'll do I you one daily I'll do you one better Jess there's a there's a so Rico knows this cuz I bring it up from time to time on the show I'm a huge fan of how I met your mother the TV show I which I absolutely love um and there is and, and Jess, since it looks like you don't know what it is, the, the, the shortened premise of it is it's, it's about a guy telling the story to his kids about how he met their mother, but it's it's retroactive to the time the show actually airs. So it takes place in the future, and then it's all flashback. And oh, it's so hit- they're Tarantino or mementoing us? A little bit, but not really. And it's it's just him telling the story the whole way through, and then... And then the the point though is that it's all him and his friends in their early late twenties, early thirties as this this story goes on. And one episode is actually called the Murtal List because they have a thing called the Murtal List, which it's all the shit they're too old to still be trying to do. <laughs> and, and one of the characters, actually Neil Patrick Harris, makes it his goal that in a week's time he's going to do the Murtal the Murtal List, the entire Murtal List. And and does not succeed, but mm-hmm. like that's the point, is that it's it's you know, and because it's TV, they and and it's a comedy show, they they did a twist on the line since they can't say I'm getting too old for this shit because it was CBS, it was network television. They said I'm getting too old for this crud, but it was Jason Siegel who said it, and he said it very in a very Jason Siegel kind of way, so it made it okay that they weren't doing the actual line, but. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, I I'm quoting Murtaugh every time I get up out of bed, and my whole knees creak, and I'm just like, I'm getting too old for this shit. I'm quoting Murtaugh. Every time Murtaugh. I sit down, I do it. I'm Ugh. quoting him every time I blink. Um, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I, I I know I'm getting old because when I flip off people behind their back, I throw my back out. <laughs> yeah. I just go, ah, Jesus Christ! I'm like. Yeah. Um, but like the subtitle, like I said, man, the subtitles are so fucking bad, but they're entertaining, but in a really like they piss you off kind of way. Like whoever did this, if they did like Empire Strikes Back, where it was just like, instead of Luke, I am your father, or technically the line is no, I am your father, not even Luke. Yeah. The, the subtitler would have been like, no, I am your relative. Like, wait, what? No, I'm your daddy. Uh, so, like, yeah. I, I fucked your, no, it would have been like, I fucked your mom. I fucked your mama. <laughs> I yeah. fucked your mom. I, uh, I, 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 no, it would have just been, I don't like sand. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's good, Rico. Nicely done, sir. Um, uh, wow. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. I don't like sand. No! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So no, but okay. let's 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 get into one specifically. It's been fun to kind of jump around, but let's get into one specifically because it it would you know obviously without what well, yeah Jess. Can I take a quick break? 
So get too old for this shit. <laughs> and that's staying on the episode. So to to lethal weapon just, one. You're, just you're not too old to get fucked. <laughs> that's true. I was gonna say the youngest one in the room, but I think you have her beat, unfortunately. So um, I'll be I'll be thirty one in a couple. Oh shit! Next month, holy fuck! Yeah, I will be thirty four. Um, in July, I'll be thirty one in late June. So forty two and counting. CJ is so. gonna be CJ. Get out. <laughs> CJ is gonna be the motherfucker. Be like, get off my lawn. Get no, off my no. Lawn. Okay, yeah, Jess. That's a question that we started with. That. <laughs> Pick up that goddamn trash. I saw you, you little sons of bitches. Like, yeah. Jess, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I was going to ask you this question earlier and then we got sidetracked and I never got back to it. But we started recording a little bit before you joined us and I made the joke that of the two of us, I'm Riggs and he's Murtaugh despite our ages because he is the oldest young man I've ever met in my entire life. He is the get off my lawn guy. Without question, of the two of us. Yeah, but arguably they're both kind of the get off my lawn guy. For very okay. different reasons. Here's how I'm gonna measure my Riggs Murtaugh rating. Who do I think has the propensity to snap in a Riggs like way that I occasionally do myself? It's not you, CJ. You're too fucking level headed. Oh, no. Rico would snap like Riggs or like me. I could see Rico being that person also on top of a building just like me, being like, okay, motherfucker, you want to jump? You want to jump? Like, doing that shit, just lost it today at work. Like, I no, any of this shit. Meanwhile, you, CJ, are just like, God damn it. And then we just keep fucking up your cars, you know? Like, no, <laughs> you I, I, bought a new car and Rico's just always bodies are landing on it it's getting fucked up every movie you know he's he's burnt down your fucking house on multiple occasions somebody trying to kill him i no i i switched the two no i i have rigs raged on more than one occasion let me tell you something i i i rico rico's seen it rico's seen it and at a very yeah. mild level compared to what i'm capable of if I can interject, so uh, yes, CJ has got the Riggs rage, and I I have to say I also have the Riggs rage. You do, yeah. But I've had to w when you work in retail. <laughs> yes, you're not. You have to kind of lay down the Riggs rage like deep, deep, deep. Um. So I have it, and I and if it was if you were asking me this question ten years ago. The answer would have been yes. I would have been more of a rage-filled, like, Riggs, uh, to the point where I would have... Like, I've never hit somebody unprovoked, but I've been in more fights 10 years ago than I have been now. Um, whereas, yeah, CJ, his, his, uh, his temper has not necessarily gotten us in trouble, but it's gotten... Uh, it's, it's burned some bridges. And, and at this point, it's like, you know, you, you just kind of... You know, I, yes, in that aspect, I'm sort of the Murtaugh. I'm like, Riggs, what are you doing? Thanks, Why are you doing this? Th thanks and, for twisting that one a little bit, Rico. Appreciate that one. Thanks. That's. that's I mean, yeah. 
I I didn't specify anything. No, no. <laughs> I just said like there's you know there's a like the the expression will will cross details. Like there's that old expression like we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, and it should be we'll burn that bridge when we come to it at this I, point. I I I I I coughed. I'm telling you, it was just a cough. Um, I'm not talking about that. I, I I know. I was trying to like you, you know you keep telling us to never bring that up and never discuss it. You're the only one who brings it up. Um, in, in public. Michael brings it up to me all the time. I'm sure he does. Lethal yeah, Weapon 1. i like, hey man, I talked to CJ. He's like, did he cough? <laughs> um, Lethal Weapon 1. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't ask, Jess. Don't, yeah, don't, don't ask. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just letting it go. Watch me. Um, never let anything go. You 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 are incapable of letting anything go. You became a historian. He's got you there. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Also, you know yeah. the years of days you haven't let go. That is true. But look at it this way. I'm not a military historian. I don't rivet count. This is rivet counting. I'm a big picture kind of gal. So I guess so I was like wrong. The whole picture story. I don't care. I'm telling. I'm weaving tales. I'm doing narratives. This is 20th century historians at like their best. Okay. So I. You I know? guess I. I was wrong with my my. In the details. I was in wrong with my analysis earlier, Rico. If you recall. I think, look, I honestly think we're kind of a combination of both of them. I think we have elements yeah. of both Riggs and Murtaugh. Am I the guy who would have the older gun? Probably. You know, and I could see you. You, you know, <laughs> this is a really dark joke and I don't mean it. You'd be on the roof with the guy about to jump for a completely unrelated fucking incident is what I'm thinking. You're just like, you want to jump? Let's fucking jump. And you just leave him behind. <laughs> Actually, you know the reason this works is I can see Rico having gotten this really nice boat. And no, like no. He's afraid of the water. Absolutely not. Okay, whatever it may be. We'll okay. use boat, obviously, as the metaphor here. In but the like PJ yeah. showing up and like dragging along whatever you guys version of a Leo is and like it all getting weird and going down and somehow a shark is involved. Like I can see that too. Like Rico's just trying to live his motherfucking life and be happy. Whatever his version of the boat is and then you guys show up with like a shark in the bag and it gets weird. Hey, hey. <laughs> or whatever it is. That like, is true. He, an Leo. he answered me. I'm just saying. He answered my post. I'm just saying. So he invited me into his world. That's all I'm I getting at. I didn't invite at. you on my boat. <laughs> uh, but no, in, in that case scenario, that is true. That is true. Where it's like I would be like, all right, guys, stop fucking with me. Stop. Like, no. and, and mm -mm. that that is true because I'm the one who's always getting fucked with amongst my friends. But like. And the and the only reason it's changed is because when CJ has been with my friends, then he's the one who gets fucked with. But even then, the two of you, like you and like Michael and CJ, have ganged up on me. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, we did. Yeah, you don't remember much. No. Yeah, you coughed my ass. <laughs> you fucker. Okay, so leave the weapon one. I think we need to we need to explain the fact that like this is one of those typical Shane Black movies before it was like a Shane Black trope. 
Like it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, you know, it, it was it, part it, of it, it was part of the great non-Christmas Christmas movie debate that we did. It was, and and we also acknowledge that it's the, in my I thought we agreed that it was the least Christmassy of the Christmas movies that were part of the selection. Was it that or Iron Man three? I forget. Iron Man three. No, but I'm saying I'm saying no, and that's what I. I think we said three was the least Christmassy of the four. Because, Jess, we had a debate on four movies that were not considered Christmas movies, but people considered them to be. And it was this, Die Hard, Batman Returns, and Iron Man 3. Those were the four movies that we debated. And ultimately, um, despite my my objections, Batman Return won uh, for the most non-Christmas Christmas movie but that's that's a different discussion well I never saw Iron Man 3 so I cannot attest to that it's but written I, and directed I, by Shane Black it's it automatically is. a Christmas movie yeah that's true actually that's every I one of his movies all the uh, three of the four movies were Shane Black movies that didn't occur to me until just now I'm just no. thinking what are you talking about just right two now oh uh, yeah well Joel I'm thinking Joel Silver go ahead anyway oh go ahead oh. Jess sorry no, y'all go ahead. So no, I see that. I think this is the least Christmassy. I I kind after it rewatching starts, it, I kind it, of agree. It starts with Jingle Bell Rock, though. True, that is very true. And there there are, are Christmas I, elements and things in Lethal Weapon. There's, it there's is a Christmas, the Christmas tree in the living room that gets the police car put through it, and the movie ends with Murtaugh fixing the Christmas bulb on the side of the house. It's just not as Christmassy as Die Hard. Die Hard no. reminds you it's during the holidays. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As continually no. reminds you during the movie. You only have, like, these brief intro and conclusion, like, after the denouement reminders that this is Christmas. So I think this is the least Christmassy. It's, yeah, I, I, I agree. Whereas Iron Man 3, just to go back to this, is like, it's it at least has snow. yeah. And 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 a Christmas dinner, a Christmas dinner, and there's a giant. There's a bunch of stockings at and the a present. House. The giant bunny, yeah. the giant bunny, yeah. Um, I have but no idea. You, I mean, Iron Man three is is whatever. I yeah. I am a defender of it because I'm a big Shane Black fan. Like I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I like three. Was, you know I did. Yeah, I, yeah. No, I know you did. I'm not saying you didn't. Um, uh, but let's maybe. let's. Let's get back to Lethal Weapon, because that's really all right, we're so, here to discuss. So so where were you guys when you first saw Lethal Weapon 1? I was like Jess. I was probably flipping channels and found it on TBS or one of those channels, most likely. Lethal Weapon 1, um, because when I was that young, because that comes out in 87, I'm not born till 88, right? So by the time that I was even old enough to watch it, it had been released on HBO. And when I was a kid, we, um, until I was like five, we, we didn't have a lot of money, but still my, I remember specifically my dad paying for, like we had rabbit ears and paid for fucking HBO, man. So whatever was on, that's what you were watching. If it wasn't like a Disney movie during the day, but I, I was probably, four five the first time i watched lethal weapon and it's just because it was on 
And it was one of those things that we were all watching stuff. I'm sure my mom was cooking or doing whatever it is she does. And it was like my intro that and die hard to that kind of action movie. And so I remember very young and very early in this. I've always loved these kind of movies, but I really loved this franchise because when you sat down and watched a lot of things, you didn't always laugh within that genre of what my dad's going to be watching and taping on HBO. We still had VHS then, folks, and you could tape things off of HBO. Yep. So um, I remember enjoying it the most because it made me laugh because I'm an only child. And even then, I had some connection with the jokes and the understanding because I grew up in a very funny household. So I always really, really liked if we were going to put something on even more than Die Hard, it to be Lethal Weapon because it was funny and Riggs made me laugh. And the dialogue between the two of them, like the buddy cop thing made me laugh. I remember it specifically. I think I had seen a clip or the ending of lethal weapon two on like amc and then i'm a i mean you both know but like i'm a i was i am a massive collector of dvds and vhs's but more so vhs's back in the day and i would go to like flea markets i would go you yeah you get it Jess. i get um, it and way. i would i would get like flea markets and record stores like cj's been to the locations where i would like go like amoeba records and rasputin now in berkeley and you can get a fucking ton of vhs you can get a ton of movies for like five bucks you walked out you walked out of rasputin the day we went or amoeba i think it was with we went to both no but i think amoeba is the one where you cleaned up you walked out of there with like a big old fucking bag for like $15. $15. Like it was of not. DVDs, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still have VCRs in the box ready to go because I'm such a movie purist. I have not given up my VHS collection. Yeah. And as long as I have those, you know, eventually I know I'm going to run out. Yeah, I know I'm going to run out of VCRs, but um, <laughs> till that moment comes. Like, you know, I still have The Godfather and all those extra features that were only on the VHS back then. And I'd love to watch that version so that I get those features because they're not always on what you get anymore. And yeah, like, that, that is it, first world hipster problems. Yeah, it is pretty much. I didn't say I wasn't a pretentious twat. Like, <laughs> you guys, you, know I am. you invited me on this fucking show. It's not your first like rodeo, you know? That's true. But, uh, so but, I, after watching the end of Lethal Weapon 2, like I went and I found all four on VHS and I bought them all because I was like, I was interested enough in one scene and it was the ending of Lethal Weapon 2 where he, or not the ending, but the part where he is drowning with the fucking, with Rika and then he kills the dudes in his, he dislocates his shoulder in order to get out of the straitjacket and slams it back in. And I was like, I want to know what the fuck led up to this. So I right. bought all four movies for like $2 and brought them over to my friend Michael's house. And we just had a whole lethal weapon marathon. The first time I ever did mushrooms years later, Michael and I were giggling like idiots at my farm. And because we didn't, we didn't hallucinate, but we got that body high and we were laughing fucking uproariously at how stupid Lethal Weapon 3 was. We were watching Lethal Weapon 3 on shrooms. Like that, some people would be like, that's a waste of mushrooms. And I'm like, that was a waste of a movie. 
It is not a waste of mushrooms, sir. I can attest. First time I ever did shrooms. Watch Reefer Madness the musical. So so. Second time, approximately like five days later, did a lethal weapon marathon. Like you know, just had alcohol, shut in, food, you know, ramen, straight college kid shit. But did a lethal weapon straight watch, and I don't think. That I've ever laughed that hard, like on hallucinogen, especially if you have any experience with mushrooms, it's very different from acid. So you get the giggles very hard. And God, by the second one, I was rolling. And by the fourth one, dead. It was the best experience. So, so we share that. How fun. Yeah. Lethal weapon on mushrooms. So, so. I, I don't have any experience with psychotropics and lethal weapon, so I can't can't get in there. But I I did, and for for my age and the release of the films, Rico, and I, I put it that way very specifically for a reason, because I give you a hard time about watching things out of order all the time. Mm-hmm. Not so much mm-hmm. lately, it's been not as, but early on in the show, I did. And yes. um, I only saw one in four until last year. Interesting. When we did the Donner deep dive, I watched uh-huh. two and three for the first time. Yeah. I'd never seen it. So, so like Leo popping up in four, I had zero context for. You were just like, holy fuck. It's, it's Joe Pesci. What the fuck is he doing in this? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, no context for why he was there. I mean, it's still, it's still played for me. It didn't, it didn't right. deter anything but there were some gaps you know you know like the captain Leo, shows up the captain shows up giving gifts at the end and they put him in the picture yeah like i get now why but at the time no you know what what's up jess you you start we're not in school please stop. you don't have to <laughs> no it's just so we don't speak over one another we do it all the time i don't want to be rude and um usually i'm used to having to be on history panels and it's a lot of screaming to be heard and I wish everybody would be civilized and raise their hand and make a fucking point. Um, But no, that's not how academia works. Um, I was just going to say, it's so interesting in the script writing process. Originally, you know, I talked about it earlier in two, that it was a very, it was a much darker script. It was going to end there. We didn't have our franchise. And But at that point, Leo wasn't even written in. And interestingly enough, I don't even think Pesci's written in three initially. He wasn't. And it's something they added because they started to realize we've got a real franchise on our hands. The the small amount of money they were having to, to put into this and the box office investments really started to make this a hit. So... It's even more interesting that Pesci's not even slated originally to be in two, shows up in the rewrite, then not slated to be in three, shows up like a rewrite, and it's an essential character to the franchise. And it's Joe Pesci, so it's so weird to me that at first he doesn't show up in these scripts, because I do think it's a great addition in a character. It's like their third stooge. But he's also very... We would, which is appropriate because of Riggs's love for the Stooges. But that aside, um, it's very Enrico. You you probably, I mean, not saying Jess, you don't know this, but I know this is right in your wheelhouse, Rico. That this is very, to me at least, it's very anti-Pesci compared to where we're using. He's not the same as he is in in you know 
um, uh, casino or some of these other gangster roles we see him in. So, like, it, it's very interesting to see him play this this different role. It's not that he's never done anything comedic, because obviously there's my cousin Vinny. Jess, you mentioned that earlier, and I'm a big fan of that. And Home then Alone. I, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say, yeah, like, Home Alone's right. very... No, no, you're fine. But it's still very different from those as well. But it's still not a typical thing we're used to seeing Pesci do. Can just really quickly, before Rico launches in... I'm going to make a quick counter argument that sure. it very much is in the wheelhouse because it's like this low level con man that turns into a CI that's running a billion different businesses. And weirdly, it has this 60s CI, and 70s like feel of like confidential informant on the outside of like mob right, but- CIA. He's almost like a Jack Ruby esque character, but like. Or comedy, so I think it is very in the Pesci it, wheelhouse. It, it is, it is. And but we, it, it, what yeah. I, what I guess I mean, Jess, is that he's not, he's not as angry, but he is. And here's what I mean. Let me try to he's explain. He's not as intimidating. He's angry, but he's not as intimidating. Right. He, he's much more the yeah. He's a lot more the comedic foil as opposed to that guy. You're like, oh fuck, he's about to just fuck that dude up or or, dude. or whatever. You know. I'll, I'll sum it up. He is basically if like Joe Pesci was auditioning to play Woody Allen. <laughs> if because yeah. like Woody Allen would say something, like, you know, let, let me tell you That's about you know the the uh, you know the the phone companies they they fuck you you know they they they, they just screw you and they hang up on you and all that. But with Pesci doing, it's like let, let me fucking tell you about the fucking phone companies or, or the subway sandwiches they fuck you in the drive through and. See, I could see Woody Allen saying, like... I could see a dark comedy version of, like, Hoffa out of it. Like, you know, got hands and different pies. And that combination of the Woody Allen, you're exactly right. Oh, my God, I thought that... It's like like Albert Brooks' Neuroses-esque. Like, Uh, a little bit of the Italian twist still, but not a lot. But he's not... That's the interesting thing, is that, like, Leo legit says... Jewish German. The German Jewish Jew, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is really interesting, uh, the fact that he's a German Jew who's called a leprechaun in the same scene, which I fucking laughed my fucking right. off. Like, but it's also Leo, so who knows? I think that's just part of Kesha. Who knows like, if he's part leprechaun? Who Leo is. Like, he has to have a smart-ass comeback to Chris Rock's, like, great line. But I've just... Except that I don't know when Leo is lying, not lying in these movies. So I always think of him as like this con man, kind of always playing this game. Well, my opinion is that I think the role, like in Lethal Weapon 2, he is, he's, he's good. Leo is great. Lethal Weapon 3, all of a sudden his peroxide hair and earring and all of a sudden him being in real estate doesn't fit the character. Him being a PI fits the character. But it felt like they were writing a script for Dane DeVito and they couldn't get Dane DeVito, so they settled on Pesci. That's honestly what I think. And that's what the original plan was. I think it turned out way better. That's why I say I think of the third one as he transitioned from, like, white collar to an actual, like, informant, like, CI to actual investigator. Like, you see the transition and it kind of works narratively. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, no, no, for sure. But I, you know, like, for as, 
Because in some ways, the character is very throwaway. In some ways. In other ways, not at all, right? So I, I, I see that. But one of my favorite... My favorite uh, Leo gets scene in the entire film or franchise, and I like several scenes, but it is in four, and it's when he's telling the froggy story in the cemetery, which is not... Cry. It's And it's not a comedic scene at all. But the fact that he helps Riggs get to where he needs to be to finish off Riggs' story, because it's assumed at that point that this is the final lethal weapon. We're never getting another one, you know. And line like that he makes about the weird angel that, oh yeah. God, it's so yeah. funny. No, it's, it's, it's really perfect. funny yeah. and it wraps it up perfectly. But um, I also I also do like the interaction with Chris Rock. His, him and Rock paired together, I think, was perfect. Like, I... I know a lot of people don't like that Chris Rock was in this movie. I thought he fit perfectly, you know. I didn't have a problem with it. I understood why they threw him in because it's like we need young, hip, new actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. it, and I, I thought he was a great addition. I thought his lines were funny. I thought he was funny. Mm-hmm. I have no the, problem with it. The underlying thing about that scene that CJ is talking about, and I do agree with you, the underlying thing that I think it's overlooked is that immediately Riggs dismisses Leo because that's all they do is dismiss, ridicule, harm Leo. He's really not their friend. He's their friend that they keep around to feel better about themselves. But no, and see, that's what I like about that that moment. God, God, but 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 and Leo knows that, and he's trying to give Riggs. A real fucking lesson. And he's the only one within the vicinity who can give Riggs this lesson. So he says, just shut up and let me tell you something. Will you please? Yeah. Like, just just for once in your fucking miserable pseudo-Australian brain, just fucking listen to me. And he and then you see that change in, in Riggs for one split second. He's like, all right, I'm going to listen. Go ahead. And Leo gives a life of changing kind of story, a, a moral ground, a very, you know, a, a fucking Shell Silverstein fucking moral lesson. Yeah. About a dead frog. And and that's what it took. It wasn't going to be another conversation with Murtaugh. It wasn't going to be a conversation with with um uh what the fuck's her name? Lorna. Um, it was going to be the the best advice is the advice you get from the least suspecting person, but there, and that's what Leo was. And there's two things I'll say about that though. Number one, I and they kind of tie together. I feel like I feel like from that point, even before he gets to tell the story, you know, it, Riggs starts to have that oh shit moment about Leo. You know what I mean? Because like at one point he goes. You know, he, Leo's saying something, and I don't remember the exact words about you. You guys are my friends, or whatever. And he's like, "I treat you like shit, Leo." You know, and right. it's essentially what he says. I don't think he says it exactly that way. I think but he that, does. It might be, but anyway, the point is, he's like, he says, "I'm horrible to you." That's what he says. That's the line. Mm-hmm. I'm horrible to you. And and but you see him realize it as he's saying it. Like there's a look on his face, like, "Oh shit, I'm really horrible to this human being that really doesn't deserve." exactly how horrible we are to him there's that moment and then i feel like after that at least for Riggs, he looks at leo very differently even though there's not much time left in the movie the little bit of interaction you do get with them it seems very different in a very positive kind of way 
you know. Well, it it goes with the fact that like, Leo was the, originally not going to be in the photo at the end. And they're like, no, no, Leo. Like, yeah, well, that's that's part of it, photo. too. It's all of it. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. He, but he even says, my best man. Like, whether he meant it or not is a different discussion. But, like, when he's waving him into the, into the photo, he's like, my best man. You know what I mean? And the fact that, and then from a, from a filmmaker perspective, the fact that they let him keep the badge. Like, remember, he, he kind of steals the captain's badge when they're switching mm-hmm. back to the sergeant badges. Mm-hmm. You know? Don't need no stinking badges. Um, you know, but... <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever Leo wants, Leo gets. Yeah. But, uh, no, but he, he has, he, you know, they, they let him be a part of it. And that's, I think that's, I, I think if we do still get five, if that happens and if Pesci comes back, because I know he's quasi-retired at two at this point, but yeah. if, if, if Pesci does come in and play Leo again, I think you're going to get a very different relationship between at least him and Riggs, if not all three of them. I think there's a relatability in that every one of us has a fucking Leo in our lives, whoever it may be. I would every argue I was probably has... the Leo of my friends. What? I think for a long time I was the Leo of my friends. I was always complaining about every shit. We've all been the Leo in certain groups, and we all have a Leo. And I think that that adds that familiarity that makes that narrative of buddy cop comedy where we transition out of one to two and make this like a franchise kind of buddy cop feel. I think he's kind of essential in that. And the one thing they can really come together is like just shitting on Leah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that and that does occur. Everybody knows it. like it's a classic kind of setup. It occurs in life. It's a horrible thing. Especially when you're in high stress situations and in job situations. That happens a lot. Like I, I so a lot of relatability to it. One of my one of my minor criticisms is the posters of these movies. Because Especially with four. I, I have four pretty high on my list. But I'm not a fan of the poster itself because it's very Riggs front and center with everybody else sort of behind him. Like, even Lethal Weapon 3 is Riggs and Murtaugh of equal standing next to each other, back to back, guns out because, you know, it's Lethal Weapon. But Mel is and the bigger name. I'm sorry to say that. But every other movie was them side by side. I know, but Mel took another leap between, you know, 80, 89 and 98. Or what is it? 80, 92 and 98. Like, he took a big leap. I, I understand, but it's like they kind of just put Danny Glover, like, behind him. And, look, I get it. Arguably, he is the title character. He is the lethal weapon. In the first two films. And then, like, it's almost I would, like... In- I wouldn't even say anything beyond the first one. I don't think he's nearly as, as you know, lethal, and I do mean the pun, in any of the subsequent films as he is in the first one. And lethal... We- I include Lethal Weapon 2 based on the fact that it is his own revenge movie. Unrelated sure. at first, and then he realizes, oh, these motherfuckers killed my wife. Well, he and the guy admits the it. Out of his way. Yeah, the guy admits it. It's not even like he realizes it. He, the dude, literally says, "Oh, I know who you are because I killed your wife, you know, a year ago or whatever it is." All right, all right. <laughs> Let's go back to *Lethal Weapon* one just to be like any other highlights because then because we're doing what we're doing, which is jumping but, all no, around. No, but that's all right. It's different when we have a guest, and I don't mind that. Okay. You know. 
Well, then if we're doing that, then let me let me talk about Lethal Weapon two. Yeah, I like Lethal Weapon two in part mainly because of the. I mean, the introduction of Leo is great because, but it would have been. It also would have been good if it was just a one off thing. Like I'm fine with Leo being part of three and four and possibly five, but him being part of two would have just been fine as well. Sure. The seat, the 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 whole South African apartheid thing, I thought was great because. Not that often are villains as South African, even though some, especially in that point, they should have been. Um, you know, m- most action movies have them as like, if they're going to be not American, they're German or they're Russian. So to have South Africans as sort of the Europe. Furthermore, because of such big names and the title and the blockbuster, that actually makes it past South African censorship. And that movie actually is shown in that country. So that's even more interesting for a tidbit. You're right. A little bit. You're right. At first, they were worried that it would be turned away or turned down. And then the South and and the South African government was like, no, we don't want you talking shit about our fucking culture and our country and blah, blah, blah. And then they saw it, I guess. And then they allowed it because apparently they have a sense of humor, which (laughs) that's that's more surprising than anything. Um, I'm talking about at the time. Is at the it? time, the South Africans did not have a sense of humor. Um, but I, I, I read a lot of this this author name. His family's like fortune is built on the backs of apartheid, and he pretends to be a funny guy. He went on SNL. Are you telling me that's not a thing? Hey, man, I'm not talking shit because I'm on Twitter still, and I would like to keep it that way. <laughs> um, but. When I was in high school, I got really interested in apartheid in South Africa, and I read a book called Kaffir Boy. I apologize to anybody who knows what that word means and is offended by it, but that is the title of the book. And around the same time, I saw Lethal Weapon 2, and I was like, I know what Kaffir means. I, and because they never explain what the context of it is. It's essentially the N-word to Africans in South Africa. And I was... I was very, it was kind of like, you know, when, when you're interested in a subject, like that was my subject. And I actually met the author, Mark Mothabane, and got him to sign my book. Um, so I really enjoyed the, the plot. And for the majority of these plots, like the first film is kind of forgettable in, in terms of plot. Uh, same with three. It's, it's crooked cop shit, but uh, the, the villain is kind of, Unrememberable, unmemorable. I mean, he's. I, I, I recognize him because he's like, oh, that's the dude from Mask of Zorro, or that's the bad guy from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three. I I disagree with you about one. I I, I think I think I think the general's quasi forgettable. I'll give you that. Which, by the way, he just passed away this year. Which did he? Yeah. Um. But but by comparison, Joshua. Is very I like Gary Busey as as the villain is one of the highlights of that film for me. Honestly, like I, I you know, Gary um, Busey is definitely memorable in that. Do you I ever agree. look at that movie and go, "Fuck, that's like silver bullet young Gary Busey almost yep. in this fucking movie." Yep. Sometimes it blows me away, and also. Before Crash, Gary Busey as well. So it's like almost different face sometimes. 
Yeah, it's it's very Predator Two, also with Danny Glover, <laughs> uh, Gary Busey. I mean, the Gary Busey that we have nowadays is definitely not the Gary Busey we had. Which, which, by the way, Rigo, what did I call Predator Two when we did the Predator for? You for called Jess? it like you called it like Lethal Weapon with a Predator. I saw no, is I called it Lethal Weapon Two Point Five, is what I yeah, believe I yeah, called yeah, it. Yeah, it did, yeah, yeah. So, and it is. I mean, because they both have influences of each other. I mean, it's it's sort of. When you have Gary Busey and Danny Glover together, you can't help as a cop in L.A. too. If you remember, it's yeah. As a cop of L.A. and 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 Busey is essentially a merc in both films. Yeah, and it's also important to remember these guys have been doing this for a little while. Mel Gibson's still kind of relatively new on the scene at this point as well. He's a younger generation actor. True, you don't think of it now. But the, those two guys had been doing this shit for quite some time and, and had been against a lot of acting legends. So it's interesting that transition you see even in casting and, and kind of how the narrative evolves of like how each one becomes part of a story and they become kind of a global sensation in these roles. Well, but and, and Mel would have been 21 at the time and, and, and Danny 31. Just by yeah. comparison. So, you know, despite the fact Which, that he's playing a 50-year-old, you know. Right. So. um, That's, yeah, that's a good point, that they're playing significantly younger. That I think eventually they just caught up to their own ages. Well, I, th- also, I think. Billy's scared of a family that keeps gathering in the bathroom for Dad's birthday. Can we just a, throw that out there? That, and, that, that is a little weird. Well, no, it was, it was once for his birthday and once for retirement, yeah. I think. I don't think. I don't think both. It was only twice: once for a birthday and once for retirement. But still, but even yeah. still, that's twice too many. Twice too many. Bath. I know, and then the and then the one time he gets the bathroom to himself, he almost gets blown the fuck up. Like right. Love they that need, bit. I think it's they, a great bit, by the way. Which, by the Stop. way, they they. And Jess, you might appreciate this a little more than Rico does, but um, they they actually tested that on MythBusters. An episode of MythBusters actually tested whether or not you could pull you could pull Murtaugh off the toilet and get into the bathtub fast enough to not be killed by that bomb. And I, I honestly, to God, forget the, the results were. I think they ultimately did survive, but it required it to be a very specific type of bathtub, like like made out of a specific material. Like modern day bathtubs would not survive but if you had like iron yeah like you needed like a cast iron tub or whatever but they they did they did run that on mythbusters if i'm sure they did i just like question people who spend their day like trying to figure out well was myrtle sitting on a homemade explosive device made out of fertilizer or was it a claymore mine oh well no (laughs) that is like a whole level of god Damn, you have too much time on your well, hands. Well, I mean, it's a TV show, and they got to fill. You know, they have to they have to fill time on a TV show. But I, you know, at one point you get a clear look at the bomb, so I think it was pretty clear it was C four. But yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you fucking telling me James Bond can't like drive it? I don't know a motorcycle through a helicopter or some bullshit. Are you telling me? I want to see that shit myth busted. I mean, come on, guys. They're action movies. I hate that kind of nitpicking no, I, shit. No, 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 no. But that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm, 
history. It's not nitpicking. It's just trying to see if if it, if the if the uh, plot would work as a science. That's all it was. It was not nitpicking it. It was not. It was not shitting on it. It was hey, would this actually? If it they understand they they a hundred percent say we understand it's an action movie and it's about the fun and the entertainment and we don't we're not saying anything negative. Could it have actually even done though? Let's just see. That's it's it's really just what it boils down to. It's the same thing of like, can you drive a motorcycle underneath a a big ass like truck like a? You know, and I think they tested that possible? one. I think they tested that one too. So like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. This is a legit show. This isn't like a YouTube channel where it's a bunch of nerds yeah. being like, "Let's fucking talk shit about this movie." Are you not familiar with MythBusters, Jess? No, I feel like I'm being like yelled at by oh, ancient aliens no, fans no, no, no. The, in the history these... community. I don't no. know what the fuck Mythbusters is. So it's I, a... I don't know what the fuck ancient aliens is. Myth... <laughs> so Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Mythbusters is really quick. Is it was a show that ran on Discovery for like 15 years. No joke. It was on forever, and it's two guys that have years upon years upon years of science and special effects training and they they start they take different myths that have been told throughout the ages going all the way back to like ancient greek myths to modern day stuff and they see if it's logistically possible to actually have happened or not and it's not and it's not always movies a lot of it's not movies but every once in a while they'll do a movie thing like they did in wanted when they were curving the bullets was that possible was that even a thing they tried it, it they busted it they proved that it was purely a movie thing but they also tried stuff like the toilet thing from from Lethal Weapon, but they've also done stuff that have absolutely nothing to do with movies. Like, they did Archimedes' uh, mirror laser was one of the ones they did years and years ago. So, it, you know, it, it's a... it. Oh, God, I see the eye roll. All right, never mind. Moving on. Jess, it is actually a pretty entertaining show. Like, I, I think you, as a historian, I, might be interested. I thought you would have been all over that. Honestly, Jess, I'm surprised you hadn't heard of it. I believe you, and I'm not giving you a hard time. I just didn't realize that you hadn't weren't aware of it. I'm just going to say, as, as an historian, I think it's impossible to recreate certain situations because conditions are never right. You don't know the exact formulas. Of, like, the reality they, of recreating creating a precise not only that but i don't feel like discovery plus put a whole lot of time into the controls and variables oh no 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 i'm not gonna no because they absolutely did they absolutely spend a whole bunch of time on the science i know there are schools that actually use the show to teach uh geometry and physics and chemistry, because that's how accurate the science is on that show. So I, I have to step in there and, and say that, that that show very much takes the time to be. And they and they acknowledge that the older the myth, the harder it is to get the precise stuff. They, they acknowledge that and they, they do as best that they can with what's available. They, they absolutely make efforts to be as precise as possible. And I just have to defend it because it's filmed and set out in the Bay Area here. I actually looked it up, Rico. We passed it when we were out in, out in the area. We passed the M5 yeah. place. I was a little upset that we were that close and didn't stop, but that's all right. Whatever. So We technically passed by Billy Joe Armstrong's house, but oh well. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. But, you know, um, anyway, that's... that's right. Anyway, but yeah, they... they 
I don't know. Sorry, I didn't. They blew up that. a fucking toilet. Like that's that's what happened. They blew up a fucking toilet, a la Lethal Weapon Two. So let's go back to Lethal Weapon. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, CJ, that Gary Busey is definitely more memorable as a villain. He is one of the rare memorable villains of the Lethal Weapon franchise. Uh, fucking. Uh, Sergeant Jack or whatever the fuck his name is in in Lethal Weapon Three. Travers, kind of, yeah, yeah. Travers, kind of memorable as you're watching it, but overall, the like I said, the only memorable thing about Lethal Weapon Three is the fact that Riggs gets a new girlfriend, played really well by Renee Russo. If anyone can fucking go up against Mel and be the the female Mel, the female Riggs, uh, it would be Renee Russo. She fucking kills it. Uh, I could have lived without seeing Joe Pesci as a blonde. Yeah, that um, was weird. That was a weird choice. I don't know who made that decision, but that was weird. It, it, it looked like a fucking trap that he got <laughs> caught in from Home Alone 2 or something. Like, they peroxide his hair. You know? It just looked like Macaulay Culkin set a trap on fucking Joe Pesci. He was like, I'm just going to make you like look really stupid, and you're still going to go out in public. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also part of that, like what he's trying to pull off to fit into the storyline of that with everything and how it shakes out that kind of like sleazy at the time. That was like what everybody was doing. Like it's a it's a much older man trying to get this youthful, ridiculous look to do like this con manish sales job that he well, has. And, and I understand I, the choice and it kind of fits like based on the story. Always and makes I, me laugh. I will say that over those three years, honestly, honest to God, I don't feel like Pesci aged well at all. Like he he aged no. hard between two and three, and that's not anything to do with the way they dyed his hair. Like he just aged real hard in those three years for some reason because he looks very youthful in two. Youthful, compa- yeah, youthful, and compared to how he looks in in three. Hmm. I wonder what happened between three and four or two to four. Uh, My cousin Vinny, Goodfellas Casino. I didn't say four. I said two to three. No, but I'm including four because at least in four, he finally starts like he looks like the Pesci that we all kind of like. Oh, in four for sure. Yeah. 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 He looks better with a fucking like, you know, the hat, the hat and the, the P.I. look. He looks better in his suit. He doesn't look good. Looking like a fucking like an LA douchebag, he no, just doesn't. No, with no, the, with that voice and that hair, it doesn't work. Yeah, that, okay, but I, okay, 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 hair, okay. With the blonde hair, doesn't. Nah. Speaking of hair, I am so fucking glad Mel fucking chopped off that thing he called a mullet for four. I Thanks I actually fuck. I actually was upset about that when I saw. Oh man, I was I was so Dude. done with the mullet. No. That should have been lost long ago. No, I, I saw that as something Riggs held, holds on to. Like, that that felt like something Riggs would have held on to, character-wise. I'm not talking about Mel. I'm talking about Riggs. Sure. But, but you know, maybe that was the one thing that was, like, connecting him back to uh, his ex, to Vicky, because, or his, his widowed wife, because it was like she loved the mullet, so he kept the mullet as long as he had the ring. Now, you know, he's fucking with Lorna, and she's like, look, man, like, I'm not trying to pressure you to marriage, but you need to chop that. You need a mutt, uh, mullet chop. It didn't stop him from the, the fucking baseball session with the South or the Swedish woman in two. Because he's like seventh inning and stretch. And she goes, but we're only at the fourth inning. And he goes, well, all <laughs> right, let's go. You know, like, I mean, 
Yeah. I thought she was German for some no, reason. No, she was. She said she was. She said she was from Sweden at one or Finland. It might have been Finland, but it was one Which of those. Which is funny Nordic. because she's yeah, English. Yeah. yeah. Because and, the actress is English and. She actually, like, everyone apparently asked her, like, what, you know, it's not like, hey, what was it like to be in Lethal Weapon 2? It's like, hey, what was your love scene like with Mel Gibson? That's really the only and, scene she has. I mean, that she's no, not. No, she's, she's in, like, throughout the film. She gets, you know, she's in the fucking until scene she, with. Until she gets like, killed. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be, like, the catalyst to the, the uphill in the denouement of well, where like, we go in that second movie. Well, it's, it's just the, kind of forgettable. Not for me, because it's the first time Riggs is actually attempting to move forward. It's the first time he slept with anybody. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But the, the, he which, still had the he still had the mullet and the ring when he did it. So I, yeah, but know. Rene Russo is very different than you know Rika. Fair. Um, I I am glad, by the way, that because Rika Rika, you know, I mean, not that you don't care, but you know how much I care about this kind of shit. I am so glad they didn't kill the dog. When they fucked up his trailer, because I would have been, I would have, I would have lost my shit if that dog died. You know, I'm surprised that dog survived all through four films. Like, yeah, well, the only one he was, the only one he was in danger in was the second one. I, I, I do have a bit of a now. At the same time, I have a bit of a, uh, like what the fuck about. Renee or, or Lorna and and Riggs building off the trailer and kind of turning it into a like quasi house. Like just go buy a fucking house. I, I mean, I agree, but I also kind of like that kind of sounds right for both those characters because you think so? Riggs seems right. yeah, Riggs does not look like he'll ever get rid of a trailer. No, like, no. I they're saw, not those kind of people. They're comparing scars. Of course they're building like Onto the trailer, no, they're but, like those kind of cops. But it, it, if I'm right, and maybe I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'll own it. But Lorna, I think, had a place, like a quasi nice place, and she yeah. downgraded to this trailer with Riggs. Now I know she loves him, and I get all that, but like, it, it. She's also a very smart woman, and I would argue more intelligent than Riggs. Not that he's stupid, but definitely more intelligent than Riggs is. I see her being like, hey, dude, you're moving in with me. Like, bring the dog. It's fine. But you're coming here. Like, Yeah, but what, what would happen is he would bring the trailer and he would spend most of his days in the trailer parked outside her house. Oh, and I think she'd like, make him get rid of it. come in the house. And he's just like, no, man. You know, come in. Come on, hang out with me and Sam. We're going to watch the three suits. And she's like, dude, we have a fucking TV in here. What are you doing? He's like, yeah, but it's my trailer. And so I, I think they had to compromise. Symbol of simplicity that they both enjoy. And so then when that, like, we get to the end of four, that's ultimately what we expect to go away. But there's also something about the relationship that's very basic and sort of, like, instinctual that I can 100% see that character, like, moving into the trailer, just going, like, things don't matter, none of this matters, full rig style. But that's the thing, well, they have two trailers jury-rigged together to be like a four-bedroom house. Like, yeah. yeah, but uh, it's... That may, that, that's probably how expensive L.A. is. It's actually probably <laughs> cheaper to get two fucking trailers and just stack them. Like, well, and I honestly think it was like they were comfortable living in one trailer together with 
the two dogs. And then she got pregnant. And then she's like, dude, we need to buy a house. And Riggs is like, on our salaries? Let's just get into the trailer. And she's like, you know what? I kind of like that. That's what I prophetized that something like that happened. She still had a bigger, nicer place prior to hey, all of that. Maybe her lease was up. They were hipster before hipster was cool. They're clearly living in, like, storage homes. Okay? So, piss off. They set the trend is what I'm going to call it. We're done with this argument. I mean, shit. I love when the guest tells us we're done with our argument. <laughs> You're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I agree with you, Rico, about the introduction of Lorna. I think that's the right character. Like, Rika, was it Rika? Was that the character in the second one? Is mm-hmm. that her name? Like, she, she was all good and fine, but it would not have been the long-term answer for Riggs. I, I think Lorna is your answer. The only the only uh, complaint I think I have about that is that I think it didn't develop correctly. Like, it would seem very, very fast. Well, let's be honest. The relationship between Lorna and Riggs was kind of abrupt, too. I mean... Well, that's a, no, that's what I'm saying. The one between Riggs and Lorna. That's the one I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about the relationship between Rika and Riggs. Oh, no, that was just... That was just, I want to get my dick wet. That's all that was. He he really wasn't focused on a relationship. That... So wet that she drowned. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, but no, but it was Lorna, even, it seemed kind of a, like, it went from, you're the rat squad, I want nothing to do with you, to, oh, you're kind of attractive, to, oh, I want to fuck you, to, oh, I think we're getting married. You know, even though it didn't, they don't address that till the fourth film, it still seemed like pretty... The the dialogue and the relationship where like she's kicking the shit out of five dudes and and he's just like you need me honey I'm like you're calling her honey already motherfucker like I guess the nineties was way different than I thought. Does none of you have appreciation for immediate chemistry, animal instinct? No, I, I do. I'm in it. I maybe I, you just smelled her, yo. I now no, I, I I absolutely yeah, I have a little bit different. Of course, it's creepy. I absolutely do, Jess, but I I think that when you're telling a story, it's different. Like, real life, 100% agree with you. Yeah. It's certainly possible. Yeah. When you're trying to tell a story to an audience, you need a little bit of an arc. And to me, it kind of did... Like, it, there was no I, I arcing. Agree. It was, you know... I, so. There was, a, there was a missing argue, scene. That's not what this entire narrative is about. It's bet- it's about the two partners. So it's they have to give him some kind of personal life because Murtaugh comes with one built in. No, but the, I, the, yeah, go ahead, Rico. The, the, the character development for us to just accept is the fact that when he turns the computer on, it has like a fucking thing of the Three Stooges. And that's where we're like, okay, she likes the Three Stooges. She can't be all bad. Of course, they're going to fucking get married. That's what us as the audience is supposed to accept. But I want to mention this before I forget it. Am I the only motherfucker who thought that, like, wow, they got a guy who looks just like George Lucas to play a henchman in this movie? In the third movie, there's that bearded dude in the turtleneck with the fucking glasses who's like, he's the oh, one yeah. driving Jack. Yeah. And I'm like, and I was like, Steph, it's really nice. They gave like circa 1982 George Lucas some acting credibility. I always call him Evil Hemingway, but you're right. It's circa 1988. That's a better call. <laughs> Much better. I mean, it, it's not exact, but it's for sure the exact beard. Like, that's a, that's an 82. 
like the half balding, long haired Asian man that's both in Die Hard and makes like Aunt appearances. Hondo. He makes another appearance as a henchman. Yeah. Is it one, two, or three? Yeah, I don't know, but he's he's, he's the guy crossover from he, those movies too. He's the guy you, that Rico and I always say if you need an Asian guy in the eighties, that's who you call. That's the guy. He's he's, he's yeah, in he, everything. Yeah, he's the Asian yeah. guy in both Lethal Weapon One and Die Hard One. As well as Last Action Hero, which makes fun of both these fucking movies. Yep, and 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 several other films. He's he's yeah. he's fucking Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> he is the Asian Danny Trejo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, is the, he is the he's the Danny Hunglo. I want to see if I could find this actor because Ed Leong is his name. No, not 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 that guy. I'm talking oh. about the fucking not not uh, not George Lucas. He's in three, he's... Rico. Yeah. Non George Lucas. I got it. Um... Hemingway now not George Lucas. But speaking of cast, the guy who plays the captain. I don't know if we mentioned this uh, when we did our Donner party episode, CJ. I don't but know. But the guy who plays Captain Murphy. Yeah. The one who's just like uh, is his cousin is uh, Dick Donner's cousin. I think we did briefly briefly touch on that. Yeah, I think we did. Um, the one what hand- that, that episode is misleading. I'm like, wait, whoa! I always when you have both said Donner Party, I'm like, wait a minute, which show am I doing? Are you trying to trip me up? Um, are we talking about land pirate cannibalism, or are we like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Rico, the the guy that gets killed in the third one that gets fried on the third rail, he's actually in Conair. That's where I know him from, which is well, well after, you know. I, it's not that's not the guy who I'm talking about, but I know, I know, yeah. There's also Sven Olthorsen, or Sven Olthorsen. I think I don't know how you pronounce it. I don't know. Yeah, he is. He's one of the henchmen's in this. This is what he looks like. Yep. Do you know who he is? That you would recognize him. No. He's LaFleur's in Mallrats, the dude with the fucking... No shit. Look at that. Yeah. You don't know who the fuck I... LaFleur's is? He didn't know who LaFleur's is. He went after Riggs. Yeah. I'm trying to fucking find this actor because it's driving me fucking crazy. Um... Because he, he just looks like... Well, also, Mark Pellegrino, who is another actor who I've seen periodically on, like, Dexter... And, Let me and, see really quickly his you, face. You know this guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's always playing like kind of a semi-evil bastard, and he just kind of has that look, but he's great. Um, he's also in like National Treasure. He's like one of those really hard character actors, though, I feel like. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's yeah. not a guy that's taking a lead role. He's very much like a character actor, but he is great at what he does. Speaking of character yeah. actors, we did lose a, a decent one this week. I don't know if you saw. Which one? Are you trying to depress me? No, but uh, Fred, um, Christ, I just blanked on his Fred last Ward. Name. Yeah. yeah, Fred Ward. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I am so upset about that. Not that I was a huge fan of him, but I really wanted him and uh, John Bernthal to play father and son in a movie. You did say that not that long ago. You're right. I remember now that you said that. Yeah. And now John Bernthal just needs to play Fred Ward in like a making of Tremors movie. There you go. 
<laughs> Making up Trevor. Like a like a TV biopic or something where John Bernthal is portraying Fred Ward. It needs to happen. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to look this up because I don't know if they actually show what the guy looks like. He's the guy that I'm talking about when he says to Lorna, yeah. he's like, he's like, you know, she she's like, that's not something nice you say to a lady. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. That's who I'm talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. I, yeah, I just don't know how to look him up either. He's definitely credited. He spoke. Yeah, yeah, but he I, might. I, that's he, all I'm going to do. I'm going to look it up the the quotes to see if it gives him a character name. It might be henchman number three. Like I don't think it's going to. Yeah. yeah. Probably. That, that's the problem. It's going to be hard to kind of like narrow that down. Um, I I gotta say though, going back to I just I liked you know we were talking about stories as a whole and 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 I like the story of four. I like the whole discussion of the the Chinese smuggling of smuggling you know uh, uh, the Chinese into the country and mm-hmm. and the they you killed know. that nice old man that yep. makes me so sad yeah, that is Always. sad when that Han... part gets me yeah actually the, one of the most heartbreaking lines in the entire movie is when Murtaugh's talking to Riggs over the the walkie right after they survived the, the train incident and he's like um he goes, you better get over to, and he says an address, and the address is not important. He goes, why? And he goes, they just found my watch. And it's like, if you remember the scene earlier where he lets him wear the watch, it's like heartbreaking. It's like, uh, even though we've already seen that he's been killed, okay. like we've seen that, but still, when you know that Murtaugh's realized what's happened, it's like, oh, fuck, you know? Um, it's so touching and then for it to come it's more touching because you've just had a really fun kick ass action sequence with the like trying to nudge him in front of the train and that last minute fuck it and like jerk that car in front that's fun and then you have that and you're like oh man get too old for this shit yeah yeah Um, can I I can I let's talk about Rigo I'm saying Ford is, in my opinion, underrated. It's not like I understand why people would like be like, oh, it's sizzling out. It's fizzling out, blah, 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 blah. But four is definitely like lethal weapon of the 90s, which is why I compared it to like Rush Hour. It's very similar in that. aspect. That, that's true. I can't argue with that. I want to go back to three real quick. The one thing that I'm a little upset we never got was one piece of resolution in the story. Because after we talked about Murtaugh getting all upset about killing the boy and having the drunk moment on his boat and all that. And I'm not dismissing any of that. But after that scene, you see him, you get a real touching scene where he teaches his son how to shave or, or, or corrects his shaving, which I think is awesome. But Before the funeral. Yeah. Before the funeral, right. And then you get yeah. the funeral where he goes into the, to the kid's mom and tries to, to talk to him and she slaps him. And the dad says... You want to do make some. You want to make this right, or you want to do something about this? Find the guy to put the gun in my dad in my kid's hand, and and that's a very powerful, poignant scene. Except that when they finally resolve that, you don't get him going. Like I need that scene where he goes to the parents and goes, "I got him," or "We got him." He's you don't get that. You never get that closure on that moment. No. You know. No, you're absolutely right. You don't. And it's real. See, that's why I'm not the biggest fan of three. I think three had an interesting, it has interesting story development, but it's only half boiled. It's really disappointing because the villain 
could have been re- he could have been the ultimate villain because what's scarier is the fact that this is a guy who knows exactly how Riggs and Murtaugh would think. Yep. He knows all their previous uh, procedure and he's got the fucking thing that will kill them even with a uh, a fucking bulletproof vest. He should have been the old, he should have been their Joker or whatever, you know. He should have been their Vader, the boogeyman for cops. But ultimately it just became like, oh, he's just another asshole with a gun. How do we Jeff, kill this guy? We uh, use the same gun that he used. Like it's just kind of ridiculous. use the same gun that he used, and then we have the kind of sort of comedy sequence where he's siphoning that gas, you know, and spreading it all through that. Yeah, like yeah, fuck it, fuck it, I'm gonna burn it all down, kind of. And so I think we spend some time on what's like kind of a action comedy sequences. What to would have been revel like. A, a real resolution because what would be scarier than somebody that knows how they operate a dirty cause, somebody that knows how to work the system, something that's like always been a legitimate fear. Yeah. No. And just, I, I, I'm going to ask you this because this may be something that you came across in your research as a historian and and you may not have. And if you don't have the answer to this, that's a hundred percent fine. But at one point, when they're in the construction site fighting that that end the the penultimate scene, I guess is um, Lorna gets shot by the gun with the the armor piercing bullets in it, but she had doubled up the the she wore two vests and that's why she doesn't get killed in that scene. Do we know if that's act how accurate that is? And again, I know it's a movie and we suspend disbelief, but I'm wondering how accurate having two vests would make a difference or not? Because I feel like it wouldn't, really. Oh, my God. So, uh, I had to do a lot of ballistics analysis recently for um, See, a somehow project I, on JFK. Uh, somehow I, I knew that. So, um, <laughs> actually, for what... Okay, please, I, I assume y'all have no gun nuts, but I would say that... Let's assume that that was a reality for that caliber, for that. The, yeah, I mean, that's before, like, body armor outside of military. I would assume two Kevlar vests would work. Okay, because I was Kevlar just curious. Because Kevlar places a shot specifically. So even if it got through one, you still have that. It's kind of like you wear Kevlar when you fence. It's It displaces, like, the placement of something. So, I mean, like, logistically, right. it should I don't know. I'm not a ballistics expert. No, no, no. And I, and I, I yeah, I, I, I don't think you're a historian, but just from being from Texas, that'd be my rough guess. The, the other thing, Rico, just very quickly, the thing I would say with that is that, well, I 100% agree with your, your logic, Jess. So I'm, I, I'm not disputing any words you just said. I'm with you 100%. They they counter themselves for that argument earlier in the movie when he's first showing everyone in the department about the bullets because he hangs the vest in the shooting range, sends it down the range, and when he shoots it, the bullet goes clean through. So there's no displacement that you're talking about. I understand that's exa- actually how they work, but in the movie, they 
they countered that argument. So based on the way they set it up within the movie world, it should have clean, gone clean through and killed her, honestly. Is it a full metal jacket? Is it a frangible bullet? Um, what distance are we shooting at? Uh, how precise is it on target? Uh, does Fair it enough. have yeah, yeah. the correct caliber of bullet? Like, does it come? Was Magneto in the room? reality <laughs> of something like Mythbusters uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, because... Wow. In- I know all of these things. I don't know. Does he have frangible bullets? Does he have full metal jackets? Is he playing Geneva Convention? I don't even know that that gun exists because it's like kind of made up for that movie, sort of. Like, you know what I'm saying? But also people can make their own guns, make their own bullets. Um, It's like the only artisanal thing that comes out of Texas, really. Homemade bullets. Um, So, like... I get what you're going with, but honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I have to know a lot more. I have to have real scientific data before I could answer that question. But theoretically, I assume as Kevlar is meant to displace what's probably a frangible bullet by this point because you want it to bounce around a ball and, uh, body and kill Lorna, that a second Kevlar vest would probably do the job. Mm. Whether it stops the bullet or not, or if two stop the bullet or not, I think it would be too cumbersome. I think it would be, I don't think she'd be able to move very well. Yeah. So it might stop a bullet, but she wouldn't be able to, like, shoot back. She'd be like, "Eh, fuck you. She'd be walking around like that little brother from uh, Christmas Story. Yeah. Why don't you be Chris Farley, fat guy in a little coat, you know? And just be like... Fat cop into little coats. Uh, speaking of the gun range thing, I, I have to acknowledge one of the most iconic scenes of this entire franchise is the Have a Nice Day. Have a Nice Day. <laughs> but, so I didn't realize it, but I guess all the versions that I had seen on VHS were the theatrical cuts and what I was watching were like the director special edition cuts. The special edition cut of, of Lethal Weapon 1 not necessary. The theatrical cut is a better story. And my explanation is, did you guys see the special edition? Do you, to your knowledge? I don't know. Okay. Did you guys, you're talking about, did you guys see the scene where the fucking, in the first movie where the guy is sniping out kids at the school? No, that one I have not seen. Okay. So I get, I get to tell you guys something. This is going to be awful. The, the way they introduce Riggs in in Lethal Weapon 1 is at the drug bust, or presumably, right? Where he thinks he's only spending $100 for a fucking kilo of Coke. Right. Which is hysterical to me. No, I don't think he actually ever thought it. I think he was just trying to make them No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But, yeah. like, that's how us, the audience, is introduced that he's a cop. Right. Because he could just be a wild-eyed fucking cokehead. And, and it's played for humor. Then we realize, oh, very, he's a badass with a very, gun. He's a cop. Yeah. Very quickly, one of the guys selling him the the coke in that scene is I Anthony Kiedis's father from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's his dad is one of the henchmen. Yeah. I found that really I saw interesting. That too, yeah. yeah. Um. So in the special edition, when they introduce Riggs, there is a shooter sniping out children at a school. Riggs just goes and like 
everybody's like down, like, you know, hey, where are you going? Don't go near him. He's going to blow your brains out. And Riggs is like, give a fuck because he's suicidal. So he just like walks and like stands there and like the sniper keeps missing because I don't know, I guess because a bigger Australian than smaller children is harder to hit. <laughs> Maybe and- Serpentining, you can't see it. No, no, I'm watching. Oh, no, he's standing there and now he's missing the concrete. Okay. No, he's just staying there out in the open next to a goddamn like fucking play show. He's like, hey, asshole. Like, he's just like, I'm right here. You take me out. Come on, shoot me. You want to shoot me? Shoot me. And then then the guy like aims and then Riggs just bang, 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 like shoots like 18 times. And and then the the guy's dead. And it's like, I think you hit him, Riggs. Like, he's dead. Um, and if you really wanted to die, you could have just not brought your gun, but then you wouldn't be a hero. So not needed. So fucking not needed. The comedic no. element of him being undercover, getting coke, is even funnier. And it's and it shows that he's a wild eye. It shows that he's it shows his slapstick tendencies. But him being a morose dude walking into a fucking school aiming a gun is just not necessary. Then there's another scene where he picks up a hooker. Yes, and pays her $200 to, like, just go watch the Three Stooges. Right, but the first thing he asks her is, how old are you? And she's like, I'm 19. He's like, how old are you really? She's like, I'm 16. 16. And it's like, why was this fucking scene put in the movie? See, that's what I say is really interesting, is that darkness element that they left on the cutting room floor in the first movie, and considering it was only supposed to be the two and how dark the original script for two is, in this case, Warner Brothers kind of, I think, I mean, I don't know, it depends on what kind of movie you want, but I agree those scenes are unnecessary and they're dark and they're weird in the context of all the funny shit is still in there, so it's really kind of two opposing stories and i'm glad that got left on the cutting room floor and i'm glad that what that was changed in the second script it makes it a little sloppy but also like it gives a direction to the darkness does that make sense yeah but in the in the hooker scene you are kind of left not knowing if he fucked her you hope that they just watch the stooges but it would have been nice to actually show a scene of like him bringing her back to his fucking trailer, and she's like, "Are you ready?" And starts like, "No, seriously, I'm watching the Stooges. Like, do you want to watch with me, or you can fuck off?" It like anything been- akin to that. Yeah, like, no, I said I was watching the Three Stooges. Like, if it was, I'm just giving you a safe place to sleep tonight, kind of thing. Right. And like, many, if we'd have actually had that, but it's also cut out of the scene. So I agree, it's. It's problematic because you don't actually know and you kind of have to assume that's what's going on or that's what's just happened. It's it's all weird. It's weird. It's very it's weird. A, yeah. The spe- I encourage everybody to not watch the special editions. Yeah. Just watch the theatrical cuts. They're infinitely better. There's also mm-hmm. a bit of an inconsistency within the movie itself, though, right? Like, he's he's suicidal through 90% of the movie. You know what I mean? And then And I say 90% because... And there's no uh, the the scene I'm about the reference. There's no reference for him making a change. But like they're out talking to the to the hookers, trying to find some information about Dixie out. And that's when Joshua drives up and shoots him with a shotgun, and he goes through the the window. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's fine because he wore his vest, which is all good and fine. I've got no problem with him doing that. My problem is that 
when he finally comes to again, he talks about how pissed off he is that he just got shot. If this guy's as suicidal as he think as we think are meant to think he is, he would have been pissed off that he didn't get. He's not pissed off that he didn't die. He's but pissed he off. Eat that bullet later on when he's in his trailer, either. And I think that what we're supposed well, that was, to take away in his clumsy writing is that. Being with Murtaugh, being in this new environment is like he's got a partner and that's kind of keeping him going and, and where we're supposed to go with the story. It's not specifically written. Mm -hmm. There's a lot left to what we know from later movies and we get some clarification as we go along. Um, but I don't think it was like a specific choice. I think it was kind of slapdash, you know, like was he, wasn't he? I, I think the whole point is that he he says to Murtaugh, I don't fucking kill myself because of the job. The job is what keeps me alive. Riggs, I don't think, would ever kill himself in the middle of a case. He would kill himself after a case mm. of beer. <laughs> he would kill well, himself after a case of scotch. Kind of like, it's the idea of, like, that sure, that sort of Doyle Sherlockian kind of thing that manifests in a lot of characters like that. He's got a case, right? Now he's not going to eat a bullet while he's got a case. The idea is he's the kind of guy that can't be bored or left to sit in his memories. So he's got a case. So he's not going to eat that. He's not suicidal. And then we have this revolution or resolution where he's kind of in this department. And then you kind of know they're picking up the next case. It's about the job and the work. Right. But and, and I think he says he's pissed off. It's not necessarily that I'm pissed off because they missed my brain. He's pissed off because it hurt. No, yeah. I know why he's pissed off. And he's pissed off that he got he got shot that they they came after him. Like he missed Joshua the first time and then he got surprised by him the second time. Like I think that's what he's the most pissed off about. But for but a guy who's supposed to be suicidal, you would think you know I always interpreted that as that that was planned. That was that was a that was baiting. They were like, "I'm gonna have him walk around during the during." No, I I I I don't think so. I I think they were definitely out trying to get some information from the different hookers that might have known Dixie, but I don't think it was baiting at all. It wasn't baiting till they thought they killed Riggs. Then it became baiting. I I think it was planned because he was wearing the vest. Yes. That's why. No, because even Murtaugh's like, please tell me you wore your vest, thinking like right. thinking that he's so suicidal he wouldn't have worn his vest. But no, that, but, but that's my baiting. point. Yeah, they're baiting. That's my point. Is they they had a whole plan of like you're gonna be bait. You should wear your vest. And and because he's so suicidal, Murtaugh was like, please tell me you put your vest on. We had a discussion. You were supposed to put your vest on. Oh, thank fuck, you put your vest on. Good. That's, and that's, that's what I was like Murtaugh because he's actually police and like does appreciate like regulations and safety. So in some ways he gets pulled out of his rep by Riggs. And in the other way, you know, he puts Riggs in some kind of like controlled environment, which we're supposed to get from. Please tell me you wore your like your vest. Yeah, yeah. we're we're doing something here. We're working. Yeah. I agree. Um, that's it, yeah. Any other um, any other things of the four films? Well, you talked about the iconic of the, the Have a Nice Day, but honestly, the thing that I remember the most from the from the advertising from the first one was actually the jumping off the building. 
That yeah. was the that was the big one where he handcuffs himself to the guy and they jump. They didn't show the whole thing, but there was a whole I, that scene of them both flying off the building and landing in the the cushion, the the whatever that is that they catch them in. Mm-hmm. You know, is is something that I can remember even before I ever saw the movie the first time. You know, mm-hmm. so it's pretty iconic. Yeah, the, the whole he's like, are you? Do you want to jump? Yeah, one I mean, my favorite thing, especially in the first couple movies, is the unintelligible grunting and mumbling that fucking Riggs does when he's really pissed off. He's like, ar, ar, ar. Mel at that point could have played Joker, not now, but Mel eighty seven could have played the Joker, which is funny because he was really strongly considered for Batman. Yeah, he would have been better for for Joker personally. But my Kevin Smith, when he, I th- it was one of the evening with, he was just like, you know, yeah, the um, lethal weapon 22 or whatever, you know, the one with Riggs and fucking Murta <laughs> and Riggs is fucking crazy. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was talking because he was talking about Chris Rock, whatever the one Chris Rock was in, which was yeah. and I've told you this, CJ, but I'll tell you this, Jess. I know a guy named Dave Farber. Dave Farber is one of the most interesting fucking people that has been in my father's life since I was come, basically. And he is one of the most foul-mouthed people I've ever met. He's incredibly intelligent. And but funny. He looks and funny. And yeah. Extremely funny. CJ has spoken to him because we were talking about having him on the show. We also, we, we also were trying to get Ron on the show, his dad, and... Ron put up a fight about coming on the show. So while Rico's trying to talk him into it, I got left talking to this guy. So Dave Farmer and I said had had like an hour long conversation. I'd never met the guy before, and by the end of it, my gut is hurting. I'm laughing so hard because the dude is just so off the wall. But but to Rico's point, very intelligent. Like he's not. He says some kind of dumb things, but they're I think they're almost said for comedic purposes as opposed to actually being dumb. You yeah, know, he, like he, it, he very amps up the offense to really like make you just laugh. To, yeah. And he, 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 he kind of looks like me. What I would if if I was like just didn't give a shit, I would look like him in twenty years, twenty thirty years, because he's bald and he's got a goatee, he's got glasses, and he's covered in tattoos, and he's he's significantly taller, but he's also heavy set, and he had this thing which was like. He's born in Brooklyn. He was raised in parts of the Middle East for a while, so he he speaks different dialects of Arabic. Of uh, Arabic, and then he was like raised out here, and he's and he's also Steinbeck's grandson through marriage. But he also looks a lot like Steinbeck, so it's like even he's like I've always wondered like what happened, like if he did some shit with my mom, like is the resemblance is really uncanny. Like, I, I mean, he was my tenant for a long time, and, like, he he was going through, like, the bullshit with the Steinbeck estate to try and get his inheritance. Like, we were aware of it. <laughs> and he, he would say the most offensive shit you could ever imagine. And one of the things that he would say to me and my dad as a, instead of saying, man, go fuck yourself, he would say, man, rub it on your chest. <laughs> it's super it doesn't mean anything but the way he would say it and the words that he would use would have you roll he's like man ron rub it on your chest to the point like it became part of my lexicon with my friend michael 
So, Michael it's and also... I, the first time we're doing our fucking Lethal Weapon Marathon on VHS, Chris Rock is introduced when they are, you know, after the opening scene, the water. And he said, we need to get a towel for uh, Mr. Murtaugh. And then he says, here, here's a towel, man. Rub it on your chest. <laughs> Michael and I fucking looked at each other like, he said rub it on your chest. This is the funniest <laughs> fucking movie. You're missing part of the line. He talks about Vic's VapoRub. Then he says True. rub it on your chest. But yes, he does say it. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until today. The entire time you, I thought he said... It was the damn it for the Donner episode. Okay, well, that was a year and a half ago. Even you don't listen to our show. I do. I'm just asleep <laughs> when it happens. <laughs> so, All right. Do you guys have anything else to add, or should I give the final words? Well, I would like to give Jess a chance to, to plug her stuff before you do that. What, uh, what the she's... only thing I was going to add, real tip of the hat, really quickly, um, this movie, these movies are scored very consistently, very well for action movies, and since we talked about it earlier and you and I rapping about the uh, the Maverick, that that being that moment where you know it's that lethal weapon, it is a notable action score for the time, and I think it's still good. It's well done. It has differentiation through each of the movies it's built upon. I think it's for the movie it's for. It's surprisingly well scored, and that is the last thing that I could well, possibly add about I, Lethal Weapon. I'll add to that, two. there's two things. One to the score piece, and then something else, Rico, and then we will wrap it up. It won't be long, but um, the the people who actually scored it, the actual people involved, Michael Kamen, longtime uh, director and maestro of the San Francisco Symphony. Mm-hmm. Oh, he composed the piece? Yeah, he did the whole thing. Him and, him and Eric Clapton. Are your oh, are are your sense with the, okay makes total now, you sense. Can, you can think what you want about Eric Clapton and in his politics and his perspective because I think he's off the deep end. But from a musical perspective, he's still one of the greatest guitar players that ever walked the earth and and composer. So you know, Michael came in and Eric Clapton worked together on all four films. By the way. Is very and that goes back to that. It's a great composer, and for what Clapton adds to that composition yep. and yep. score, he is the perfect person to have done it. Agreed. Let's go ahead and separate the artist from the art really quickly in this one case and say he's the guy that, based on what the unique composition was called for, is the guy that you wanted doing that job I, at the time. I so agree. I agree it, 100%. It's a memorable score, and I think it's very well done. Agreed. Agreed. Rico, real quick, and Jess, I'll let you get in on this too if you want. This is something we do sometimes because I think it's really interesting, especially with these films. Rico, you want to do the budget box office guesses? Uh, yeah, I'll guess the budget for... We'll start one. with one. Yeah, number one. I'm going to guess it's like, you give me the higher or lower, like we usually do. Okay. I'm going to say $8 million. Well, before you do that, I want to get guessed. If Jess wants to get in, I want to let her guess, and then I'll do the high lower. What $25 is it? million. Dollars. Budget? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yep. Rico, you need to go higher. Jess, you need to go lower. 15 I was gonna say fifteen. You both that you both got it right. Hundred percent, fifteen million dollar budget. Do you want to guess the box office on it? About a hundred mil. Rico, I'm gonna say one twenty five. You need to come down. You need to go up. One ten. One 
15. 120. Okay. So, close. Okay. You weren't far off. I will not, yeah. you know, but yeah. Okay, two. We're putting dollar bills on shit, y'all. Yeah. This is my thing. <laughs> All right, so two. two I'm, I'm going to say the budget's probably bigger. $36 uh, million. Oh, fuck, I was going to... Uh, and I'm dead accurate, aren't I? Or pretty just, damn... Close. Just for the sake of I'm going to go 37. You're both wrong, and you're both okay. over. Right, okay, 25. so 28. Rico? Uh, 25. He said 25. I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. That's the... Yeah. Uh, no. It's... Going uh, off in the it's, paint on this one. It's 30. Okay. So they doubled okay. the they, they doubled the budget exactly for the second one. Do you want to go pretty... box box office on this? Two hundred eighteen million dollars. Rico. Uh, I'm gonna go two hundred eighty million dollars. No, you're way too high, and Jess, you got to come up. Two forty six. Two hundred forty six. Two thirty seven. No, two twenty-seven nine. Okay. Goddamn, I'm getting close though. You are getting close. Number three. I would say the budget is probably. I mean, there's there are some explosions, but I felt like the they didn't. Well, I guess the fire. Okay, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna still say fifty mil. Thirty-eight. You both need to come down, but Jess, you're closer. Thirty-six. Thirty-four. You have thirty-five. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Um, box office. So they only went up five million. By the way, it was they doubled it from fifteen right. to thirty, from one to two. But they only came up five million for the second, for the third one. I mean, I I didn't think they were going to go that much high. I think for yeah. that budget, they were like, hey, it's pretty good, but let's let's tone it down a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, million dollars in box office. What was it, Jess? I'm sorry. Three hundred twenty-five million dollars. Rico. I don't think it made even close to that. I'm going to say it made a hundred bill. Um, nope. you're, you're I way wrong. First off, Rico, just n- not related. Yonda Bonds is cinematographer on three, by the way, which is really interesting, but uh, oh, you tell us which one of us is right. <laughs> you're both, you're both wrong, but Jess, you're a lot closer. Oh, really? You're, you're over, but you're close. Rico, you're not even in the ballpark. In the ballpark. It's it's three twenty one seven. Ooh, wow. I am so yeah. good at this game. <laughs> okay, uh, for four, I'm gonna say no, wait. the budget. Four, I want to let you know I don't have a solid number. They only million dollars right now. Hold on, hold on. Before you, be... well, hold on. Massive budget. I feel like it was a massive budget. Four doesn't have a solid number. It's a range for the budget. So if you hit anywhere within the range, I'm going to say you got it because there's not a full number now. What did you say, Jess? 128. Okay, Rico? For the budget? For the budget. 40. 40 mil. You're not even close. Jess has got it right down right. the middle. She's got it right down the middle. It's 100. It says between 100 to 150 million. Inflation's a bitch, y'all. Especially in yeah, the movie but I'm business. Trying to think- in four, it's not like it's not as grandiose. You gotta pay like, Chris Rock. You gotta pay. You gotta pay Chris all Rock these. Chris Rock was fucking practically unknown Pesci. at this point. Gotta pay for, but no, he's still. But you gotta pay for Pesci. You gotta pay for these two to come back. You gotta pay for stunt shit. Renee and you've Russo. Pay to really put out a lot of media because you're bringing back a franchise that has been dead for a while. That's a hundred thousand plus at that time with inflation. 
budget. Uh, What's the number again? It's it, there's not a solid number. There's only a range. The range says a hundred to one hundred and fifty million. They don't have an exact number on this one. Okay. So I'm gonna say it made more than two twenty in box office, though. You can. I have a solid number for box office. So if you want to give me a more accurate number, I have that. Unless you're saying two twenty. In yeah, I'm. I'm going to say about 200 mil as well because you're I don't, both wrong. Because I think at that we're both wrong. You're right. both wrong. Well, Higher gotta, or lower? You got to go up. 400 Three. mil. Not that high, Jess. Three tops. Let's say 285. 285.4. Fuck yes, I'm so good at this game. <laughs> I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> I can play this game. I turn into Jack Donaghy. Everything has numbers. <laughs> you guys now have like dollar signs on you. Jimmy, so. you became fucking Rain Man. Right. <laughs> 246 out of 250 toothpicks. Yeah, definitely. Um, this before. is the other thing I do for people that don't know I'm an historian. I was like, have all kinds of series license and wealth management and banking and finance. So well, this Jess, is for those who game. don't know yep. what you do. Game I like. For those who don't know what you do, Jess, why don't you plug your shit now? Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll plug it real quick. You can follow me. I am at Jessica B. Manor on Twitter. I don't really Instagram that much more. Uh, you're going to find me, follow me. I'm mostly going to be on Twitter and also find and follow my show. I am an historian. I'm one of those two degree annoying, like pretentious twats. Um, but for funsies, I host a show called Body Count. It, it is a history podcast. We kind of take a look at the darkest parts of human history. And, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, it, 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 when you're in the darkness, you see the light. And we try to laugh our way through what are horrible body counts in history. They can be small disasters. It can be one person. It could be something tragic. Um, so you can always listen to Body Count. We'll be bringing it back. We've been on hiatus. We're going to be bringing it back with a lot of new and very interesting content and partners. And then I also host a weekly Twitter spaces with um, the Doge Academy. And uh, let's not get too crypto, bro, or look too hard at that. It's purely a history space. And um We've been doing it for about eight months now. We went uh, from Caesar through the fall of the Republic all the way to Augustus. And once we had finished that, we did probably seven weeks on the assassination of JFK and went through roughly like something like 200, like a piece, probably roughly 2,000 primary source documents. Neither of us had seen in our lifetime the historian that does this with me. And a big shout out to at Deep Into History. So we went through that and did everything from Dulles to the CIA to the actual assassination to ballistics to a bunch of insane shit. And then for the last two weeks, we've taken a break and I just did the sinking of the Bismarck. So you guys can always get weekly history on Twitter there as well. Oh, my goodness. I have so much going on. But you know what? And here's the thing I love. And I told CJ this earlier. I love coming on you guys show because I spend so much of my week being a guest and doing so much research and having to really work at podcasting stuff. What I love about coming on here is you can always come here and we have fun and we talk about fun topics and it's always a great time. And even though it's research, it doesn't feel like research to me. I'm just watching my favorite movies. And I think that's the great thing about you guys' show. And it's unique. 
you're both beautiful human beings and very funny. So I appreciate very much that you guys had me on again. No, we love having you on. And, and that's why we call it homework and not research, because it's not so much research as much as it is homework. Uh, uh, but no, we, we love having you on and we love we love your shows. And, and I do try to tune in, Jess. I don't catch all of them, but I do I do try to tune in from time to time. And well, well. You know, I'd say at least forty percent of it goes over my head. I still at least try to pay attention, because um, I'm I'm not as dumb as I act on this show. Uh, I'd like to think I'm smarter than that, but uh, don't eye roll me. I saw that motherfucker. Uh, I was looking away like I'm not engaging. <laughs> okay. I plead the fifth. <laughs> hey, so. I'm just gonna say. My entire brand is I always put myself out in in academic communities as very Socratean. I always say I know nothing, and that is a wise man indeed. There so you, you know, what um, are we gonna I'm, do with it? I'm no. very Plato, like the the fucking clay. Oh, you and I could get lost in a philosophical cave at some point <laughs> for sure. <laughs> as long no, as you have sure. the thing that makes the stars, um, yeah, you know. So he, um, yeah. Uh, What did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? Let's get the flock out of here. CJ here with some show information and a few thank yous. After I'm done, stay tuned for the damn it, our very own post-credit scene. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your smart speaker, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you enjoy the show as much as we hope you do, make sure to tell a friend where they can find us too. If you want to agree with or yell at us, follow Rico, me, and the show on Twitter. The show is at Podeskew, Rico is at Rance Rico, and I'm at M underscore Blade. And like this show page, Podeskew Podcast, on Facebook. If you love music as much as I do, you should check out my alter ego, DJ Xanthus, on my radio show every Thursday from 9 p.m. to midnight-ish and Saturday from 10 p.m. to midnight-ish Eastern Standard Time at www.radio-airwaves.co.uk. I tend to run past midnight, hence the ish. Oh, and DJ Xanthus is on Twitter at DJXANTHUS. Make sure to follow that for show updates. We want to thank logo designer and show friend Mike for his work on our awesome logo. You can contact him for artwork via email at logomike80 at gmail.com. That's logomike80 at gmail.com. Check out tpublic.com slash if you want to display your love of the logo and Potaskew. Thank you to Samuel Lemons for all original music on the show, especially our theme music. You can find Sam on Twitter at Samuel Lemons all one word, and his music on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Samuel-Lemons. Finally, our biggest thank you is to you. Rico and I really appreciate your time and look forward to bringing you our next episode. Don't forget the damn it. Fuck you, I'm jumping. Do you really want to jump? Do you want to? Well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Thank you.